three, two, one. Nice. 69. Nice. Nice. <laughs> nice. I just wanted to say nice. It's a meme, kind of. <laughs> Hi, I'm Adam from Your Movie Sex. A meme. You're listening to Sardonicast. It's episode 69. We made it. We can Woo-hoo. just end right after this one. The final episode. <laughs> I'm Ralph from You Did a Couple of Little Blue Maker. And I'm Alex from IHG. And i got to say that it's fitting that it's episode 69 because all the movies we're going to talk about this episode, like, fuck my head in some way. Okay. Be, yeah. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Tenet for obvious reasons. They... So, yeah, we'll get into it. They fucked your head in, like, an upside-down position. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, for okay. sure. Converted time. Yep. It's the head fuck episode. I'm the only one that uh, didn't see Tenet because fuck Christopher Nolan. He can eat my dick upside down. Um, he's a gigantic <laughs> piece of shit. Time. He shouldn't be okay. pushing to release this movie right now. All right. I would see it if it was in a drive, drive-in movie, but uh, there's only three of them in my entire province and none of them are showing them right now. So, Oopsie. Is there IMAX in like drive-ins? Can't do that. Uh I mean, I, w- I would just see it in a regular drive, and I'm not going yeah. to... I'm, I'm <laughs> sure the way there he is... intended, he's like, he didn't intend it to be seen in a drive. Yeah, probably. well, yeah. I mean, a lot of directors intend a lot of things without them even <laughs> really being that necessary. Like Ang Lee. Did you see it IMAX? I did see it in IMAX, yes, I did. I did too, so that's uh-huh. good. I guess we got I, I had to drive to Connecticut to see it. Oh my god, <laughs> it was only 30 minutes. Was it worth it? I envy yeah. that. It was. For me, it was. It was mm-hmm. very safe. I wore a mask, you know, the whole yeah. time you sit there with a mask. If you have to drink, you could take it off. So, and, and mm. that was nice. But everyone was very respectful. It was, it was spaced out. And we all enjoyed the movie. And the movie was awesome. I thought mm-hmm. it was awesome as fuck. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how many people were at your showing? What kind of um, crowds were coming it out? Was, for this? It was like a early, it was an early showing. So, yeah, it, it was pretty crowded, I think, considering. Okay, so yeah. the, I have the, kind of the opposite story. Kind of I liked the movie, by the way. I really oh. liked the movie, but uh-huh. the, the the cinema experience was just... A, I, I never experienced anything like it, because I, I parked in the in the car park, and there must have been like three other cars. And it's like a whole industrial thing with all, loads of different shops. It's not just a cinema there. Mm-hmm. So it was already a ghost town. Then I go inside, and there's just no one anywhere, really. <laughs> and then finally get yeah. into the cinema, and I basically have an IMAX to myself with maybe six to eight people spread across the just hundreds of seats i couldn't believe it i, I felt bad for being there because i knew they were probably hemorrhaging money from showing it with that few people yeah. being there just buy more snacks we got there early so everyone was waiting in their cars so there was no one in the theater like when we got in it was when we sat down everyone kind of started to come in so it was kind of similar to your experience alex like right. it was just did, did you empty. find it kind of funny how in imax you obviously have to wear the 3d glasses things um, did you have to wear mask, 3D glasses for this? Yeah. Wait, do you for this movie? Wait, did your IMAX not I didn't have even like know it was glasses? in 3D. No, I didn't know it was in <laughs> 3D at all. It was all 3D? the IMAX is here. You have to wear like stupid glasses. Yeah. You have to wear glasses. Was it Dude, even in 3D they though? Sh- they didn't shoot it in IMAX. I don't think so. They must have post converted it for you. Oh right, yeah. Maybe. But that's so weird. I just saw it regular IMAX. Oh. No, no okay. glasses. Maybe, maybe they're yeah, just they're trying, trying to fucking 3D glasses upsell. on and a mask. Maybe they're just trying to yeah, charge you the extra three so. bucks for glasses. Hmm. Well, yeah. No, <laughs> I, I was say- really confused because <laughs> obviously when you wear a mask, those who wear glasses or wear sunglasses a lot know that when you're wearing a mask, when you breathe, it kind of fogs up your lenses. Yeah. So that's mm. obviously an issue with that kind of thing in 3D movies and everything like that. But 
Yeah, I still wore a mask. Maybe the film wasn't in 3D, but they were giving you eye protection from COVID. <laughs> yeah, well, thanks, guys. Um, it, yeah, it was an it was an interesting experience. I mean, it's For my sure. preferred experience. So. <laughs> With, with it being empty, but I, I couldn't help but feel for, um, you know, all the people that have to work there. And I don't know. It's just such a strange situation and all the, the money that's being lost from this because it's what well, it's been reported that I, I think the film's like probably making its money back. I saw on IMDb, it's it's made over 200 mil, which is it's about It's actually the doing well worldwide. Yeah. 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 It's which doing it's doing enough, which, enough. Is, you know, which is good. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want the movie to flop, but. I don't know. I, I I couldn't help but wonder this would be so much, first of all, safer if I could watch this in my home. And yeah. secondly, if I could have subtitles because I couldn't understand half of what was being said in this goddamn movie. Yeah. Um, was the mixing terrible? Sound mixing oh, was, was an issue, I think. Was I, I one think of my every the, Nolan movie the, since The Dark Knight Rises. I think it's the That's worst example heard. of it, though. I've heard it's the most mm-hmm. Nolan movie ever. Like, everything you could possibly point out about one of his films is, like, Absolutely. exaggerated to, to hell. Yeah. That's what I've heard. There are a lot of, like, reoccurring it. themes and plot elements in yeah. his movies. There's always, like, you know, there's obviously this thing of time. He's always playing with time, whether there's mm. time travel in the movie or there's, like, a, a, what is it, Dunkirk is told, like, out of time, mm-hmm. like, a week and a day or whatever. Clock yeah, ticking it's what makes him interesting some, as a filmmaker, yeah. also. Maybe he can rely on these things too much. There's a certain I don't I don't want to spoil it, but you can put a spoiler yeah, warning if you want. I don't give a shit. Spoil the whole movie for no, me. I don't, I don't want to care. spoil it for people. <laughs> I know you don't care, but there's probably a lot of people who want to see it, and yeah. there's a uh, you know that theater situation. That's why we have timestamps. <laughs> okay, we'll talk about spoilers in a little bit. Robert Pattinson in the movie Batman. Did you like him? Who has COVID now? I I thought it was okay. I just <laughs> yeah. really Nolan for me. He's had a similar problem for a while now. I think since Interstellar for me, where his films mm. kind of stopped being about characters and it's just more about concepts and you know the spectacle of it. And I think in terms of a Bondy kind of action, you know, film, it it really channels that well and has the Christopher Nolan spin on it. I didn't realize mm. he was going to kind of go for that loose kind of like a James Bond movie type thing. It, it's not like ripping it off or anything, but I was yeah. reading in, 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 in his style of direction, he usually likes to screen films for his cast so they can kind of understand the tone of what he's, what he's going for. But for mm-hmm. this film, he purposefully didn't screen Bond films because he wanted everyone, because everyone has an idea of Bond in their head and he wanted them to channel that idea more so than, you know, just trying to rip off what we've already seen yeah. before. So it, it, it does lead to a kind of suave, cool spy type movie where everything's kind of underground and they've got their crazy weapons and everything it's all just very slick and cool the tone feels very different it feels more like an action movie and yeah and yeah that's why i can forgive the the kind of weaker characters and dialogue for me Mm -hmm. because it's all kind of in service of the trippy stuff exactly yeah the the concepts because there's there's a lot of exposition of course explaining the, the the concepts they're going for with the time travel and everything and that that's always when i'm i kind of switched off the most there are a lot of scenes where there's two characters kind of frantically walking in a straight line dumping a bunch of exposition in an, in an exciting way so you don't have to think about it and it goes by so quick it's easy to miss some exactly of it. yeah it goes yeah, it goes very by very easy. quick and the it, it moves at such a pace and it is such kind of high concept it needs yeah. a lot of explaining but at the same time the hook of the movie are these huge set pieces all done practically 
Um, and, and they're very impressive. That um, stuff's the... well done. The 747 and like mm-hmm. the music was like really Hans Zimmer wasn't involved this time, but no, it was, no. uh, I, I forgot his name. The guy who did Black Panther, the score Ludwig. for that. That's and right. It was yeah. Like really bassy and like lots of electronic music and really yeah. intense. It was, it was really, no, well I, I like the, the sound of it. I just wish I could have heard a bit more of the subtleties. Yeah. You know? And I wish I could have heard the dialogue uh, over top of the music as well. Yeah. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it would have been there. fixed with subtitles, honestly. Because I'm I'm okay uh, with the 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 sound being intentionally you know oppressive like like he likes but yeah it, it he wants it to, to sound naturalistic but it's bit, just yeah. it's just why hard even to hear? write dialogue if you don't let people understand that, yeah it? exactly like mm-hmm. why is it there then right if you but, can't yeah I read Inception was very easy to understand for me because that whole film was very clean like the dialogue and the exposition and yeah the I don't remember that being a problem back then it wasn't at all like it was complicated but it wasn't like confusing like this was where I was missing information. Mm-hmm. There's like a whole thing with an inverted bullet, how it causes more damage to like a uh, yeah, like a yeah. person. I, I totally missed that when I watched the movie. Oh, <laughs> like, right. I totally missed that line of dialogue. I was just, I don't know. I don't know what happened. It definitely feels it's like just... it would be better a second time. I assume you've only seen it the once. Maybe. Um, yeah. I want to yeah, see it really again, obviously, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to risk going to a theater again. To no, see no, it. wait. It was good enough the first time. For that. <laughs> yeah, yeah so definitely have subtitles especially i'd like to talk about it more too i just wish i had like footage and i could see it again yeah exactly no i do Mm -hmm. think do do you think it was a mistake that they didn't release it digitally because yeah Yeah, this is the way christopher nola wants to show his films but i just think considering the context there's like they should have waited like whatever that fucking streaming service is wants to show you fucking movies in vertical filming mode on your phone without you casting it to your tv (laughs) that doesn't make it right either stream it or delay it though is my thing don't try and force it it. out and why does he want to be the first part of his brand too this pure cinema like you go to a theater and you watch it in a theater why does he want to be the guinea pig um and it's it's got it's dying you know but (laughs) i don't think it's dying it's just at this point we need to put this on hold Maybe <laughs> this like yeah, surely it's sadder to force it out and then <laughs> yeah. have just droves of empty theaters playing right. a movie for two people. People have very nice home theater setups and will exactly, put the yeah. movie nice and loud, and they'll hear the dialogue just fine. You can rewind the bits you miss yeah. or don't yeah. understand. People aren't watching it like on their phones. Some people Get will. Real <laughs> choices. There's just a lot going a on thing. in this film that I that I like. There's a lot of characters. There's a lot of. Uh, interesting science fiction jargon <laughs> like the, the action is fun and like you you have a hard time like keeping up with it and that's what i like about his movies you're not really thinking about like the experience or anything you're just enjoying the film you're just enjoying the characters and the situation and like everything he wrote it's yes. very original i think it doesn't really feel like any other film aside from like some 70s spy movies and like other movies he made mm-hmm. i think it's like really like ambitious for like a three hundred million dollar movie, like it's oh, yeah. just fucking awesome to see something like this. But it's yeah, incredible it's also, action scenes, which is the whole yeah. I, I really liked how you didn't really get the full picture until the movie was over. You can you can try and kind of figure it out, but you're not going to fully understand it until the runtime's over. You can't really play guessing games with it in the same way. It it, yeah. it is like really interesting the way the the plot, like the name, kind of wraps around into itself and. Mm-hmm. Bad but at the end of the day, it's aside, just like, like a spy film about like this guy is on a mission and you don't really need to understand all the time travel to, to get like his personal goal, like defending this, this, uh, wife and her kid from like this crazy yeah, billionaire. They like, do a good job. There's other things going on that are like 
that keep the movie going aside from time travel and yeah. the science fiction stuff. They really quickly establish um he's just called the protagonist, isn't he? Uh, yeah. what he's all about very I, I quickly in that too. first sequence. Yeah, I, I really liked mm-hmm. him. I thought he carried the movie well. But the heart of the movie more falls into the the mother character, um, Elizabeth mm-hmm. Debicki. I'd say she's basically the only character who has like a traditional sort of arc, mm-hmm. which, you know, I enjoyed. How did you feel about Kenneth Branagh as the... As the I villain? thought he was a bit distracting, just because I guess I know him. And like murder on the Orient Express or whatever, <laughs> but yeah, I guess people liked him. Like just from talking to other uh, folks who saw the film, they enjoyed him in it. His Russian accent was fine. Did you mind his uh, motivation? I won't say because it's spoilers, I guess. But it was a little vague, a little confusing. Yeah, again, again, it was very Mission Impossible to me, where it's hardly even mm-hmm. about like it was just end of the world type stakes, just to keep the action, you know. Yeah, just adventurous and over the top and everything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's not one of his stronger films. I wouldn't say. I wouldn't put it in the the top echelon for me. Mm-hmm. But as far I, I, as I would, but you would yeah, really continue. I really, think I, yeah. Um, just from seeing it once, I think he he kind of well. Interstellar. My biggest issue with with that was like the dramatic elements and the kind of fluff, love and and half yeah, the and love stuff. About love. And this yeah. is like more focused on just action it's just an action thriller <laughs> movie and he kind of stripped away all the bs and, mm-hmm. and made something really like he focused on his strengths almost kind of like what he did with dunkirk where it wasn't about characters it was about the planes and the machinery and like the, the, the difference chaos here though, of for war. me yeah. is the i don't remember being bothered by the dialogue in dunkirk whereas this feels like the very nolan-y dialogue right. that we've come exactly. to know at this point you know whereas I get what people mean when they're describing it as the most Nolan-y movie, and it's like almost a parody of itself in ways. But <laughs> right, in the stuff, ways. The st- yeah, no, th- this is what I mean. Like, I do think the majority of the movie works, and I think that's a sign of a of something fresh and enjoyable. When even though there are the kind of nitpicks you have with the director, it's still. I, j- I just think that his his the angle he takes is so fresh and like just. The, the yeah. time thing and the way that's explored is just is, is so novel and unique to me. Mm-hmm. We can get spoilery now do and it. discuss like the Christopher Nolan-y, okay, let's do <laughs> yeah, it. the Christopher Nolan-y elements. Well, like in in Interstellar as well, there's always this plot element of like people from the future. Always people yes. from the future are like influencing something going on now. And I don't <laughs> know. <laughs> it's like a. It feels like I don't know if I want to say it's a cop out. I, I you did never feel like really learn more. A weak ending. I, I, uh-huh. I, that kind of reveal at the end where it's like, yeah, I was. <laughs> it just I guess keeps going. Spoilers. It was like, okay, like yeah, I was, it was working people in the future the whole time, and I've been friends with you my, my whole life, but I don't know mm-hmm. it yet. Type stuff. The stuff that's really cool conceptually and would need to be kind of broken down and more subtly explored. I think for it to to hit the way they're going for. Right. Um, but <laughs> it is just so rushed over, and you're like, wait, what? I get okay. And then the film ends, you're like, well, that was a fun ride either way, even with the like silly stuff in there. It is just like a James Bond movie in that sense, where <laughs> you are going to have to switch off for some of the dumb shit in there. Yeah, you're going to have to switch off for the Christopher Nolan BS. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and that will be too much for some people, but I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I've had my problems with Nolan, but he's, he's very interesting. I, I have a lot of respect for his vision and his movies. Mm-hmm. And this is a good example of it. Always people from the future. <laughs> yeah. 
apparently it was like a it was like a climate change thing where they wanted to stop climate change so they sent the the machine back in the the past the algorithm oh is that what okay yeah there was like this whole subtext to it what's the villain's name again sorry kind of Branagh's character <laughs> um his That's motivation his was that he has he's has cancer and is going to die so and he has this technology that has the power to end the world so he figures well if no one else can experience this then i'm just going to take it with me yeah he's um, going to take the world out with him including his son and he's just got a, like a throwaway line where he's like, I don't even know why I brought a son into this world when I knew I was going to do this. Yeah, it seems very I'm much like, like yeah, we need a villain right. and we need to... I, I like the way they took him out. I, I, that was very satisfying to me, but... Mm-hmm. Andre. It's just, it's it's just a general... I, I don't know the best way to describe it. It's like there's so much, so many scenes and setup and exposition that's required to make this movie work. And it's still fairly long. It's like two and a half hours long that... Mm-hmm. It is kind of inherently messy. Yeah, <laughs> it is messy. It's it is messy, clunky. but it's yeah, it is messy and clunky in the way scenes just kind of like start and characters just show up. Like I was really expecting more of an introduction of Robert Pattinson and some of those other yeah. actors that are in there, but it was probably intentional. To be honest, I, I remember reading something about how all the side characters were intentionally cast as big known actors or something strange mm-hmm. like that well like aaron taylor johnson's in the film as a yeah, part of a part of a squad that. performing a pincer movement in time and he's mm-hmm. just like shows up like halfway through the film like he yeah, was good I, I guess he was fine i'm gonna need like to watch you, you that said, pincer attack at the end again because I I, I I i understood the setup where they're kind of explaining the mission they're about to do but the way it's presented mm-hmm. is so it's so crazy. It, it's so bombastic, and there's so much going on in that last sequence. I, I did find myself getting a bit lost in the action sometimes, as you know, visually stunning as it was. Yeah. Um, so that might be something that is better on a rewatch. But there's there is a lot that is lost in the in the confusion of it all. Mm-hmm. Anything else of note? <laughs> yeah, dude. I thought it was uh, I thought it was awesome. That's it. I'm glad yeah. we got to see it and enjoy it. I hope other people get to see it safely, however they want to. Yeah, yeah, I can't think of much else for this one. Uh, again, I'm gonna have to see it again because honestly, my brain feels like mush after the movies I've been watching. I'm excited for Adam for, to get and... your opinion on it as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll happen. Yeah, at some point. Yeah. When it comes either out either when it's in the drive-in or when it's. Uh... Yeah. You have to turn the volume up. Yeah. You have to watch it loud. Like he yeah, who knows? Like maybe because if I see it at home, like when it gets a digital release, like if I can watch it with subtitles, then maybe, yeah, that'll just be the ideal experience. Mm-hmm. Maybe too. maybe my first Definitely. watch will be better than your first watch. Mm-hmm. Maybe it'll be, and then you can so, rewind yeah. the movie. You, you can watch it, it yeah. better, reverse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what did you give it, Raf? Oh, I gave it a, a nine out of ten. Yeah, I was I was torn between a kind of seven and eight range, but after thinking mm-hmm. about it, I think I'm actually going to settle on an eight for this. I'll see it again. And, yeah, uh, I'm I'm yeah, excited to see some. it again, which mm-hmm. I, I didn't think was going to happen based on the length and just how I felt about Nolan recently. But it's kind of <laughs> won me round back round on what I like about him. Honestly, it might just be going into a theater again, having that theater experience. It was nice, even if it was with the masks and everything. Oh. Yeah. They released Inception ten years later, yeah. so you can do it with this yeah. one. <laughs> they did an IMAX yeah. Inception thing, right? Yeah, 
They could just do that a year from now, even with Tenet, if he was nice. Mm -hmm. But you never know. Yeah, I do think that is annoying. Well, as unfortunate as it is that you can't easily go back and just watch it again, there's another film that we watched that all of us watched that was very easy to go back and watch again because it's on Netflix. Yeah. Mm. Very easily accessible. Mm -hmm. I could pull it up right now. Yeah. Complete opposite. Yeah. Just fucking yeah. scroll right through now. the fucking movie right now. Oh wait, I it's do a have very a different open. experience, right? <laughs> also, this movie, like, uh, uh, what's it called? I'm thinking of ending things. Right. It's a very and also personal that's the title film. of the movie. Very good title. Uh huh. Great title, but it's a very personal film. It's very like yes. deep and, and meditative. It actually fits that kind of environment. Mm -hmm. Whereas, like, I think Tenet does work better in a theater or like somewhere with like big, big speakers and it's just big yeah, yeah exactly. no, big is the word right, for yeah. it this is more small mm -hmm. scale which is why he was able mm -hmm. to get it funded which is why he was able to make the movie that was the whole point of mm -hmm. him basically taking a novel that already existed when he was asked about why he chose this specific novel it wasn't just like because he was able to inject a lot of his own philosophical ideas into the film and you know Kaufmanisms you might call them mm -hmm. uh it's also just because he looked at it and was like okay small cast not very many locations <laughs> i can i can get yeah, this funded because nobody's like funding his movies right now which is really sad like he's struggling to get projects made which is just the saddest thing in the world because he's so talented how many times have you seen adam i've seen it three times now okay three yeah mm -hmm. I, I mean like i've seen the ending more than three times just the ending alone but the whole film three times okay what'd you think uh you know like a lot of his movies it's a nice reminder of the hopelessness and isolation that comes with the human condition so i enjoyed that part of wanting to commit suicide <laughs> after watching it um <laughs> yeah, like all but it also has all the strengths of his other movies It's obviously brilliantly written uh the performances are very good um but this one I got to say, out of his collection, it's one of the the least accessible ones, um, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. In terms, of, it doesn't have the wider appeal. It doesn't have the wider emotional appeal of some of the earlier ones that he didn't direct. But that's not to say it's lacking depth. The depth is just found in other areas. There's a <laughs> there's a lot to think about and a lot to that I, I honestly don't understand after as my first viewing. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you'll help add some context to it. But right. as far yeah. as this kind of psychological thriller kind of angle, I really liked that in terms of his kind of filmography. It was a, a kind of fresh. Well, it was it, it's, it was a more direct horror influence to me than the the more heady stuff from his previous movies, which are disturbing on a kind of deep level. But the the setups were almost you know they're they're intentionally leading you on to you know to build up the tension. So it could all be released in that that final sequence, which I, I won't spoil yet. I don't know if we're talking spoilers. Yeah, or we'll what, we'll uh, we'll we'll make a warning before we go into spoilers. Mm -hmm. About you, Ralph. What are your top level? I thought it was awesome. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I liked it a lot. It was good to get like a like I said a, a quieter experience after Tenet. It was mm -hmm. just like the first thirty minutes of this movie was Jesse Plemons driving a car. And just talking about, you know, random stuff. And yeah, I thought, was it supposed to be a bit of a comedy? There are definitely comedic elements in it. Oh, yeah. Fucking yeah. directed by Robert Zemeckis and shit. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that stuff. 
Um, because there's definitely funny parts, but mostly like, I guess Tony Collette mostly. I thought was a little like over the top, a little too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was feeling that until I kind of mm-hmm. was starting to put together what I think they were trying to do with the story. Yeah. Because uh, mm-hmm. almost like Tenant, you don't really understand what's going on until the end and mm-hmm. the illuminating last section of the movie, which will either right. confuse you or kind of. <laughs> I just know, I just watched it last night, so this is like my yeah, fresh. No, I did. Yeah, I'm I'm the same. I watched it last night because honestly, with the name and just the situation, I was putting it off because I <laughs> I thought it was going to be about suicide. Um, that's what, based on the title alone and like not watching trailers and stuff because I don't do that anymore. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's I was, why I yeah. was, that's why I liked the, the segment at, at first with the parents. Like, it was like a, I don't know, I thought it was funny. It reminded me of a racer head when he, when he goes and visits the parents. Yes, and that. yes, yes. Um, but then it goes on and it becomes like this whole, <laughs> it becomes like a whole act of the film of them in the house with the mm-hmm. parents and, and, well, yeah, when that's it starts when the film started getting very. The, that's the, when it started getting very weird. Yeah, that's yeah, when it started getting very with out the, there. The aging kind of stuff yeah. I, I enjoyed seemed like familiar with the synecdoche type, you know, mm-hmm. different stages of your life and the aging stuff. And yeah, the father would be young at one point, and <laughs> yeah, and it was not and just that. Sudden, like, there's loads of details you. Like in certain shots, like characters seem to change, like age and details and stuff like that. It, the film's like intentionally messing with you in ways that I found to be really clever. Mm-hmm. Actors would change, and mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, and like looking like just at the, for like a the shot. photograph, and it like changing the the person in the photograph. Just weird little things that throw you off, make you kind of feel a bit disturbed. Mm-hmm. There are lots of parts in it I like, but it's very confusing as a whole. But I do like that it it changes, and you know, I did like I I think I like the beginning of the movie the most when it's just the two of them just talking, uh, driving to their parents. But then it becomes a different film, almost <laughs> like right. when so, they go yeah, in the I house, was, and then it becomes a different film again, and it keeps going. Yeah, yeah. I was I liked the the scene with the parents or the scenes with the parents uh, a lot, mainly because I just. I just have a boner for David Thewlis. I just really yeah. like that actor. <laughs> yeah, I just find was, him extremely compelling. Good. He was in Wonder Woman, right? Yeah, but we don't talk about that. We don't talk about that yeah. one. <laughs> He's Ares. Yeah. yeah. But no, he was good in that too. Yeah, he was. He was fine. Yeah. But yeah, I, I liked the... I did like when it got weird and it was incorporating the, the bits of animation with the, the pigs and everything. I, I liked all that. Very bizarre. <laughs> all of that stuff. The uh, there's old age makeup, I guess, at the end, which is intentionally supposed to look a little like, mm-hmm. stage looking. makeup. Stage makeup, right? The people in the audience, and right. Sure I like this idea stuff. of um, they they having they have a conversation in the car at one point about how like uh, media and movies kind of just fill your brain and they become what you're looking for in life type stuff, which comes back towards the end with the with that dance sequence. Spoilers. Like. Oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. We didn't really say that much about it, but let's let's just start spoiler section anyway. Yeah. But yeah, continue. yeah. That was really when the film came together for me. Was that dance sequence? Because I wasn't expecting it, but it felt like they were they were giving you something that it was a bit of a kind of tension release. It was something you would expect at that point in a, in a normal movie. So then, when that section ends and it and it finishes, it kind of added a nice full stop at the end for me. Right, and that was really well done too, mm-hmm. like the way it was shot and the choreography. Like as a director, I think he's really 
He's got a good style. Yeah, I had no problems with anything technical, really. Yeah, it looked great. The stuff for them in the snow driving. It, he made it interesting visually. Mm-hmm. Just the two yes, shots. No, yeah, the wind, the windshield down. wipers, like the sounds of the windshield wipers going back and forth. The same cinematographer as uh, Ida. And, mm-hmm. uh, the 4x3, is it? Or is it 1x1? One one? Uh, I think they're I the think same aspect ratio. Yeah. yeah, whatever it is. Um, it's not 1x1. One it, one. Clearly, that's his look. Yeah. Uh, he likes... He likes that. And it works for this movie, too. I think it works mm-hmm. just fine. Yeah, using a small... Sp- finding creative ways to use a small space, I always enjoy when it's done correctly. Mm-hmm. And as you said, these car scenes, they must make up about 40-plus minutes of the movie, just yeah, at least. just those mm-hmm. scenes. And uh, I don't know, maybe some people disagree, but I didn't I didn't find them to, to drag for me because I, I do find that the dialogue and the concepts being thrown out there too keep it mentally stimulating at the very least i I think mark commode said it was like an audio book or something in some ways because they've got a bit of a rivalry going on at the moment yeah he's uh (laughs) he's been weird on twitter (laughs) yeah is that because of ankind where he's referenced in yeah i think he took it too seriously but I thought in Ant Kind, like the main character is supposed to be like an asshole. Yeah, I mean the main character also hates Charlie Kaufman. Yeah. So. But whatever. Yeah. Forgot what I was saying. <laughs> there. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty funny though. I want to. I want to hear what both of your takeaways are before I completely <laughs> uh, dissect the film. Yeah. What our biggest takeaways are overall? Yeah. Like, what mean? do you? What do you think's going yeah, on or like what it's going games. for or what does it mean or like what are the thematic ideas that it's going for and stuff like oh, that. Oh, okay. I've, I figured it was um, kind of tricking you with um, the young woman, making you believe that was kind of the protagonist when it actually kind of is revealed to be Jesse Plemons, mm-hmm. who is the old guy. And he's like remembering or reminiscing or something about an old relationship or something like that. And it's like a life that could have been or something along those lines, with the general themes of, you know, that we're always going to be isolated and alone and retrospective and, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> I, I wasn't too sure. I, I don't want to, like, what did it mean? But it, there was themes of, like, isolation and definitely regret, like a lost love. Well, all these films seem to be about, like, heartbreak and just the mm-hmm. ache of not being able to connect with people. Yeah. So it seemed very much in line with that type of story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not being able to be like decisive and just decide where you're going with your life. Mm-hmm. She has issues like that. I like the way the film, uh, her thoughts trail off and the way that's told is very well done. Mm-hmm. Even though I guess she's not the main character in your interpretation. <laughs> I-, I thought she was, um, at least for half of it. She kind of just disappears, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well... She is the main character, but she's also him because she's an extension right, yeah. of him. She's in his mind, which is why so many of their, you know, like as we mentioned with the photograph, it's like, that was me? No, that was me sort of thing. And they kind mm-hmm. of blend into each other. There's the shot where she's walking down the stairs a billion times. And one of the lines is like, that's I right. feel I, it's difficult to tell where him and I end sort of thing. And that's just another idea that everything we're seeing uh-huh. aside from the shots of the janitor in the school is just taking place in his head. And that's also why, as you mentioned, Tony Collette's character is kind of over the top and exaggerated. This character has mm. holds a lot of like obvious resentment towards his parents. 
And so when he's in this fantasy where he's thinking like, okay, if I brought this girl to my parents, which is literally just a fantasy that he's experiencing as he's cleaning the school, right? So that we see the shots of the janitor at the school cut into especially the first parts of the movie. In my interpretation, I feel like that's kind of happening in real time. Like he looks up mm -hmm. at the school. He's like watching some of the rehearsals for the play. Then he looks down. We're back he in the fantasy. The like this mm -hmm. is what he's doing. Yeah. Not only to pass his pass the time, but to keep his mind off of suicide because it is a film about suicide. The title has more than one meaning. It is about you know her wanting to end the relationship in his head, but it's also about suicide. And this fantasy is something that he's conjured up to try and like distract him from it or to try and rationalize and come to terms with like his own life experience at this point right. and so you see all of these different characters that are literally just extensions of the the main character i i'm sure you noticed in the film like the the girl's backstory changed several times like first she was mm -hmm. studying like biology and then physics and then she's a film critic and she grew up on a farm and then she was like oh no i I've, I've never seen a basement because i'm in an apartment this is him just going through like in his own head several different hypothetical scenarios of who this person would be if he had found someone and he's lived this life he's fat he's old He's literally just watching mm -hmm. all these kids grow up and achieve things in his own mind. He's trying to imagine this life that could have been. But now he's at the end of it, and he feels as though time is his enemy in this sense. Like, he can't really do anything. There is no second chance right. at this point. And so that's why he's literally this overwhelming, looming thought of suicide is plaguing him throughout the entire film. Yeah, there's a lot more to so it. So is that him ending his life at the end? Uh, yeah, that that's my interpretation anyway. So there's we see the suicide attempt for sure, uh, regardless of mm -hmm. whether or not it actually killed him. I believe it did kill him. You know, after the musical number, the fantasy's over. He's done cleaning up the school. It's like super late. He could have either he normally works that late or he intentionally stayed that late because he knew that once he was leaving the building that he would attempt suicide, uh, which is also right. a possibility. In the scene before... She enters the school when Jake leaves and confronts himself, basically, because, you know, he's they, they start kissing in the car and immediately Jake's like, somebody's watching us. He knows that, you know, he's a part of the fantasy. The fourth wall is kind of being broken. And he's like, mm -hmm. he's staring at us. I know that I, I know that look anywhere. It's it's a sexual perversion, right? This character is is he hates himself this the the janitor character yeah. like so much self-hatred that even his own version of himself which is younger in his fantasies is like no this is this is turning into a sexual fantasy i can't have that so he goes in there confronts himself about it she's left in the car and one of the lines that we hear is her talking about like oh i wonder how long it would take to die of hypothermia maybe that's not a bad way to go if i have to go that's the janitor she is still an extension of the janitor that's him thinking about suicide in his own head and same with uh when we see the uh lambs at the beginning who are frozen in the snow and she's like well what's going to happen to them and jake's like well what's more to happen to them they're already dead it'll be fine they'll probably be burned somewhere right and so we can see that this is mm -hmm. something that has been literally taking place the entire film in tiny tiny little ways that are sprinkled as clues including like uh you know how the film is edited uh Sorry, there's just so much to talk about. Uh, yeah. the, how the film is edited mm -hmm. 
it'll it'll seem like they're in the middle of a conversation and then all of a sudden he says ta-da and they're at the next location both of the times that 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 happens when he like um shows up at the farmhouse and when he shows up at the ice cream stop that's directly after essentially a conversation about suicide so she was saying like she made that mimicking noise with her her head exploding and saying like now we're both dead as oh, in yeah. like she lives in his own head if she if he kills himself they are both dead because she's a if, if he, she's an extension of him and so immediately mm-hmm. he's like ta-da like trying to get his mind off of that thing same thing happens when he's going to the uh ice cream shop anyway so yeah the janitor finishes his fantasy and finishes up at school goes into the car sets his keys on the seat you know this this thought has just plagued him it's like he maybe wasn't going to do it and then just takes over essentially and he freezes to death inside the car Mm. him undressing is called paradoxical undressing it's a symptom of hypothermia where people think they're warmer than they are they get delusional they get crazy some people even hallucinate which is what i believe happens from that point on and so i guess what's left up to interpretation in my mind at this point is whether or not he actually exited the vehicle and went into the school and then at that point did he still die it's possible that even if he did enter the school even if that happened it's possible that he would still die from hypothermia he might have been too far gone but part of the reason why i believe he did die is because the the dialogue in this ending musical scene uh right before he starts singing for the song from oklahoma it is very telling of like acceptance of death he is receiving basically like a nobel peace award he's saying like i accept it Mm -hmm. all yeah you are all my reasons like and then we see the uh you know after he performs the musical number which lyrically is very telling of what's going on in the film as well he's literally the the lyrics to the song are talking about him basically falling asleep and fantasizing about <laughs> his life being good and and like his relation having a relationship mm-hmm. with somebody to call his own or whatever and then he wakes up it's all a pack of lies or whatever everybody stands up and applauds and then we see that like slow fade to blue which is very reminiscent of like the fade to gray at the end of synecdoche new york uh which is when a, a character died there as well and so that partially oh. leaves leads me to believe that his suicide was successful at the very least there was a definite suicide attempt um and then the end credits the truck is covered with snow um and there's no real evidence that the the car like jake's car had ever been there like that was all just a part of his fantasy essentially Mm -hmm. very morbid oh it's great (laughs) that's that's an interesting that is great it fits the show perfectly oh yeah it's awesome even um <laughs> even what you were talking about with like the uh uh them them saying like yeah films infect our brains and replace our original thoughts and mm-hmm. things like that like that's called back to in the film not only directly but also thematically the girl that she kind of transforms into the actress uh while they're talking in the car the second time is the same actress as the woman from the film the Robert Zemeckis film uh that the janitor was watching on his break and so that is literally an example of the film infiltrating his mind and then we also have that one moment at the stairs where he's like oh yeah we met in a diner she asked for the i asked for the santa fe burger or whatever that's also from the film that he had watched previously in the movie Mm -hmm. and then we also have the idea of like like the thematic philosophical ideas 
of perspective and when the main girl is showing her the paintings on the phone which we learn later that she didn't actually make she's talking to his dad about perspective and emotion and he's like well how can i how can i experience that emotion if there's no one in the scene right how how do i i i could look down i could see myself sort of thing it's just a concept that he doesn't get and then as we're watching the janitor watch the film it sort of like switches perspective so that we are the janitor watching the film like we're in his mind again and that also yeah. kind of transitions mm. back into the fantasy which is also still in his mind right it's there's yeah. a lot going that, on that's when they like show you that like even the things like he's seeing on tv we perceive it as like the movie basically yeah <laughs> all of the fantasies in this movie we just perceive it as like a film because it's yeah. really all stemming from the main character who's really just charlie kaufman who's really feeling these things or at least contemplating uh these ideas or thinking mm -hmm. about these ideas and it's very interesting i don't think it's like saying to commit suicide or anything negative no, it's exploring someone with that mindset. Yeah, I mean, it's all from your your own interpretation. As the film said, everything is tinged, right? Like mm -hmm. talking exactly. about how there's no real color in the universe, and that it's all just th right. I think that's mind. that's more the point. That's more the point of it. Yeah. Is that even with morbidity, like if you're thinking negatively or whatever, <laughs> it's uh, it's just that's the way you're 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 perceiving the world, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, so he creates like this this fantasy or whatever at the end, like with the artificial, uh, I guess recital where he sings that song and everyone has the the fake looking old age makeup. Mm -hmm. He gives it like a movie kind of ending. Yeah, <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, like an artificial third act kind of like adaptation did, like something like that. Yes, yes. It's so mm -hmm. intricate and fitting. There's like there's nothing wasted about this movie when they're talking yeah. about the. Uh, how he's familiar with musicals at the beginning he's like yeah uh, lion king oklahoma i know that one the best they put the they perform it every few years for obvious reasons and then she's like who performs it and he just kind of ignores it like he's obviously talking about being a janitor at the school and we see those cut in shots of him cleaning up as they're doing the rehearsals at the school for that same play that same musical oklahoma and even in that shot when we see him cleaning up during the rehearsal the the specific song that's being sung is not the one that's being sung at the end however the lyrics are also incredibly relevant to what's going on in the film so she's watching this young girl performing this character and the lyrics are saying like never have i stopped to say where has last july gone basically saying she doesn't care about the passage of time it's not on her mind she's able to live carefree while he isn't and he's sort of watching that and feeling overwhelming regret and emotion and and despair from this and then and then it cuts to another part in the song in that same scene where she's singing about how like she doesn't worry because she knows that true love will find her sort of thing again another huge issue that the main character is dealing with and because they also say in the film like everything is tinged everything is from your perspective like it's obviously affecting him to such a degree that this is something that's going to stick out in his own mind and it's going to be something that he dwells on and focuses on. You know, the entire movie is is an example of that. Uh, what's going mm -hmm. on in his head, right? Right. It's based on a on a book, yeah. too. There are I, I think it's very different. I haven't different. read the book. But... Yeah, yeah, the, the ending is like, like entirely book. different. Yeah. It seems like some people like the ending a bit better. I think that's where like some of the criticism stems that this movie's gotten. Yeah, it's basically he pulled a, the opposite of adaptation, 
where uh-huh. um, the ending of the book is like more of like a tropey horror thing. Like the guy like stabs himself in the neck with a fucking coat hanger or something and mm-hmm. um, turns into like a slasher horror movie or something. Whereas uh-huh. this just went a completely different direction. And I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't disagree with the it's direction It's very out at all. there, but I, I like, I like where it went. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like yeah, that. I it's, it's definitely Charlie Kaufman's movie. It's not just an adaptation yeah. of yeah, a book. Um, and he should make it its own thing. Yeah. Yeah. It does feel personal to him. It does feel like a Charlie Kaufman film. Mm-hmm. What was your process, Adam, of like, you've seen it three times. Mm-hmm. Is there a significant kind of light bulb moment when you watch watch it a second time? Did it all, all um, kind of fall into place? Or I what, watched what, it the first time. I read the synopsis on Wikipedia of the original book. And was like, okay, well, so even after the first watch, I kind of, the ideas I was kind of getting at were like, okay, like, they're clearly going for like, these characters are all the same person sort of thing. I didn't really catch Mm -hmm. on to the, it's happening inside his head sort of thing. And even after reading the synopsis of the book on Wikipedia, it doesn't really, it doesn't really say that either. But watching it several times, you get a lot of, a lot of like visual clues, especially to what's going on like even at the beginning when the janitor is looking outside the window uh while she's waiting to be picked up from jake it cuts back to the janitor the back side of his head you can see you can tell it's very clearly jesse plemons there they yeah. switched actors mm-hmm. there's like a shot when he adjusts the uh dial in the radio jake uh, in the car and in that short shot it's actually the interior of the truck. That's not the interior of the car. That's it's literally the same shot as earlier from the janitor getting ready That's cool. uh, and stuff like that. And then there's parts where, you know, when she's reading the the poem and she's saying, you know, this very kind of uh, melancholic, morbid <laughs> poem about like returning home mm-hmm. and re- regret and living the same day over and over and over again. She stares like directly at the camera and then he's saying like, oh, it's like you wrote this about me. Just like a lot of clues like that that helped me kind of figure out what it was going for. So by the end of the second watch, I had pretty much everything figured out from like what my current interpretation is, except really Mm. what was going on in the ending. And then my third watch was just like probably my best experience watching it is like having all that information in mind and knowing like, at least for my own interpretation, exactly what it's going for mm. and still picking up new things about it as I'm watching it. But yeah, I've, it's it's something I've been thinking about even like not watching it. I'll like go to bed and then be like, oh, wait, <laughs> and like write another note yeah. on my phone sort of thing. Yeah, I was noticing how good the kind of setups and payoffs and the scene construction was, but you kind of bringing up these scenes I'd forgotten about because there is it's just so much stuff yeah. to remember. Yeah. That it happens so movie. quickly. It's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It all He's kind of so fits great into place with, as you describe it. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that there, is actually a, really cool. There's a point you see like a beautiful mind, like a movie DVD yeah. of it. Yes, I think yeah. that's the speech he gives at the end. I don't know if I'm wrong. Oh, I don't know. I haven't seen I a beautiful just... mind, but I know that that was intentionally yeah. placed there, obviously. They, yeah. yeah. There yeah. are a lot there's of like references. There's references to a yeah. few film, Oklahoma. Yeah. I still yeah. haven't seen uh, A Woman Under the Influence either, but I'm really interested in it at this point, especially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the Robert Zemeckis jab, or I don't know if they got. His I mean, no, they did get or... his permission. He was thanked at the okay. end. That was like, <laughs> yeah. cool. cool I like that little it. fake movie he yeah. was watching. That was pretty that funny. Was really funny. <laughs> yeah, there's so much going on, and like, 
yeah, even interpretations aside, like the technical elements of this film are just so fantastic. The music is mm-hmm. is great and used very appropriately. Like it could easily, especially when it's going for this kind of like horror unsettling vibe in the first, however, you know, the first half of the movie, especially it could easily turn into something that feels a bit cheap or like jump scary. And it almost kind of gets there, but not quite. And it's like very yeah. reserved in how it does it. It's not like overbearing or anything like that. The old age makeup is f- fantastic. It's flawless. And not only that, but I think it's very important to remember just how how essential it is to have performances complement that. Because there are so many films where right. they put somebody in an old age makeup, regardless of how convincing the makeup itself is, but the actors don't really mm-hmm. perform it that well. They don't have like the posture. They don't change their voice in in a convincing way, sort of thing. But Tony Collette and mm-hmm. David Thewlis are they do it so 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 well. Like there's so much subtlety yeah. in their performances. They even like going back to the makeup. Like you can notice that they changed Tony Collette's teeth. Like they're stained more yellow when she's old. Like the the old age that she is for most of that sequence. And then you see yeah. the part where she's like picking up toys as a young mother where she's reversed in age and her teeth are like pearly white, like a lot, you know, there's a very clear difference in her teeth, which is just something that like wow. <laughs> even, even movies that have like fantastic makeup, they don't pay attention to fucking teeth, you know? Mm-hmm. So there's just so much going on. I love it so much. Yeah. Just nothing feels wasted in this film. Like every, every moment of it has a purpose. Yeah. It's fantastic. I love it so much. Oh, yeah. I'm going to watch it again with that in mind. <laughs> yeah. A bit more of that in mind. Maybe yeah. make it a bit, it'll make a bit more sense. I'll enjoy it a bit more. Yeah. Do you blame those who are kind of, you know, going back against it and just like, oh, I don't get this sort of shit? Or it's on Netflix. Where, where does that You have to expect of... that. It's like having Jennifer Lawrence in that. Uh, oh, uh, yeah, Mother. Yeah, in Mother. It's like you have to right, ex- yeah, expect yeah. that. Like people are going to click on it. Jennifer Lawrence is in it and be like, oh, fuck, this is bad sort of thing. It's going to reach a lot of people that aren't necessarily a part of its intended demographic just by it being on Netflix because, you know, people just click on things going like, oh, this is new. What's out? What about um, like book fans who aren't happy with his take, his interpretation of that story? Uh, Read the book. <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. it doesn't yeah. make your own movie. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Adapt it yourself. Yeah. I, I, I'm... I've never really gotten down with that because don't, don't you want it to be its own thing as opposed to mm-hmm. just an exact recreation of the, the book or whatever? Yeah, and I mean, like, I probably wouldn't enjoy it as much if it ended the way the book did based on what I understand about it. What happens it. in the book? Like, it, it turns into, like, kind of a horror movie at the end and he stabs himself in the neck with a coat hanger. Whereas oh, this is right. not just, like, more of, like, okay. a... A nice kind of like thinker thing and also like i'd imagine the book would be so much more obvious just based on that alone about like what it's going for and i like something that i can watch several times and figure out more about it and you know okay. it's not like completely random just like oh this looks cool sort of thing like everything has a purpose which i really really like about it and i mean i don't know if the musical oklahoma was a thing that was in the book at all but i mean with this certainly ending with that musical segment I've never seen the musical Oklahoma, and I'm kind of glad I didn't because I got to experience that song for the first time 
watching this film. <laughs> mm. But I've looked up like clips of the uh, Broadway and other actors performing that same song. Jesse Plemons singing is probably my favorite version, <laughs> and like the musical arrangement as well. It's like it's was so that actually good. him doing it? Yeah, he's he's credited as really? singing for the song. Because I just assumed they dubbed it because it was it was yeah quite impressive. He's credited as singing, so wow, yeah. And there was also I didn't really look into it too much. There was also a credit I noticed like one of the song credits was like written by David Thewlis or something. I'll have to look that up. I d- I couldn't tell right. you which. Uh, yeah, here it is. Wouldn't it be? Loverly, performed by David Thewlis. What? Okay, not written. Uh, so I don't know when that okay. was or what that was. That's really interesting. Yeah. So I, I I'm th- again another thing that I might figure out later. <laughs> maybe that was like a song on the radio or something. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I have no idea. But yeah, that was a weird credit. Yeah, it, it watch watch it again with all these ideas in mind and like understanding Mm -hmm. that like it is all just an extension of him and understand like what is like wants and desires and regrets are because like the like one of the scenes i'm thinking of right now is like he's like feeding his mother and like all these different versions of his parents he's already experienced and he harbors so much like disdain and like just bad energy when it comes to them like even before he even enters the house he's like i'm not ready to go in there yet that's like him in his own mind being like i'm not ready to think about this of course yeah. my my parents and like he's waiting for them like oh here they are coming down the the stairs but they're not and it's just like his own apprehension about it that's forcing that it's like weird for the movie it's like you know kind of like a being john malkovich kind of like comedic like okay that's kind of quirky and weird but it has like an actual purpose and so he's like feeding mm-hmm. his mother and mm-hmm. like one of the things that she says the the main girl is like oh that's so i i'm so it's great to see that you're such a dedicated and caring son. And like throughout the film, he's talking, uh, the characters are talking about like, oh, people don't respect people that are old age. People kind of just forget about them and stuff like that. That's like not only him thinking about his current situation, but also him wishing that somebody saw what he did, that were that saw the good things that he did in his life. And so his creation of her as this, potential could have should have would have i wish this happened sort of thing he wishes that someone was there to notice him caring for his mother because he doesn't get any credit for it like in reality he was just alone with her and nobody knows the good things that he did in his life and then right after that when she's walking down the stairs and she's talking about like oh i don't know where him and i begin or or, or end she's also saying things like oh so what is my purpose like i'm I'm just supposed to be there and support him. Is that my only purpose in life? That not only is something that he wishes happened, but now as she's doing her own internal dialogue, that's the janitor's internal dialogue, more self-hatred of him literally just beating himself up in his own mind, being like, okay, so I just had this fantasy of this potential girlfriend character that was there and looking out for me and supporting me and and seeing all the good things that I did. And now he's just turning that back on himself still in his own mind being like, Oh, what? So like, is that the only purpose a woman has sort of thing? And like, there are constant references in the film of like him doing that, whether it's talking about the, uh, uh, what's that song, that old Christmas rape song, baby, it's cold outside sort of thing. And like, (laughs) um, yeah, yeah, there's, there's constant points in the film where, where, it's not the characters criticizing other characters. It's him criticizing himself for his own thoughts and his own desires. And this is just part of like his self-hatred and him fueling 
this bad energy that leads him to to kill himself oh yeah and there's one other thing that i kind of forgot to mention as a part of interpretation that i think is pretty relevant it's that Mm. when she confronts the janitor in the school there's a a line where uh she's asking if he's seen her boyfriend jake and uh he's like what does she what does he look like and she go she starts on this monologue you know there have been several monologues in the film so you might not think it's like that important but it very much is where she finally says the truth about what happened. She's like, okay, look, she even says the line like, well, here's the truth. And she's saying that they never actually met at this game night. In her perspective, she's saying, what, there was this creeper just staring at me. He was a creeper. I wish my boyfriend was there. The reality is that the janitor never had the courage to even speak up and ask for her number. And even in the the scene at the beginning with the... the um when they're saying the this version of the story to the parents, they even say like, oh, he blurted out, can I ask for your number? That's something that he wanted to do, that he wished he could have done, but he didn't. And so yeah. now he's created this fantasy scenario where he's coming to terms with reality, but still adding in details where he's literally just beating himself up. So he's saying things like, I wish my boyfriend were here. He doesn't know that she possibly could have had a boyfriend. And yet in his own mind, he's he's creating like the most uncharitable negative possibility of what could have happened like because he is depressed because everything is tinged through his perspective this is what he's currently deciding reality is so wow bloody hell that's great like, miss so much. <laughs> it's it, you have yeah. to watch it at least twice. Yeah, if you haven't, if you've only seen it once, you haven't seen it. It's one of those. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like Neo. Whoa. 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 Uh, you want to get into ratings, or do you have? Um. Well, I mean, I'll have a. I recorded most <laughs> of this in like a kind of like analysis video that should be out next week. Oh, anyway, cool. So. Okay. Um, awesome. Yeah. yeah, that's, nice. yeah, yeah that's it's not, nice. it's not going to be as like thorough as my synecdoche thing. Cause I want to fucking get it out, you know, but, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, five parts. Shit, so. <laughs> okay. That's cool. I don't think I liked it as much as you, but, but I'd give it like a, like a seven out of 10. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hearing you talk about it makes me, you know, wish i liked it more too uh, i like it a bit more than ralph though I, I was torn between an eight or a nine for this one um but yeah i think i'll settle on a nine um mm-hmm. considering just how much is going on and some might say it's a it's a lot to ask to watch a two and a half hour movie twice but you know it is very unique mm-hmm. unique experience and he's a he's a great writer I, I just think his dialogue and the performances he gets out of actors and the ideas he's throwing around keep you thinking, even if, like, like, even with one watch, maybe I didn't take everything away from it, but I was sure thinking about it. I was thinking about all the concepts they were throwing out, and yeah. it has stuck with me for, for you know, for that space. So give it a chance. Yeah. It's very haunting. I love movies that oh, yeah. I'm thinking about after I watch them and not just completely discarding. I started it at a nine, and uh, after my third watch, I bumped it up to a fucking ten, boys. Holy. Love it. Great movie. Awesome. Dank. All right. Dank. Cool. So, <laughs> there was a film recommended By you, for right? episode <laughs> yes. 69. Because yeah, it's, it's episode 69. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very nice film uh, called Short Bus, and uh, essentially... 
spoilers. This is a spoiler discussion. It is a uh, kind of like an, an experimental film that uh, incorporates unsimulated uh, sexual acts between characters, and not only uh, makes it relevant to the plot, but kind of you know as a statement of just being like, yeah, why not? People have sex. You know, it's other movies that are weird by not showing that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, they're real performances, real characters. It's not porn acting. It's not, oh shit, I'm sorry. Sorry for what? Hmm. <laughs> I guess you've never seen, oh, okay, maybe you have seen that. It's kind of funny. Just bad uh, porn acting shit on YouTube. Yeah, it's I've not one of those, you know? No. It's like you get, <laughs> okay. you get the sexual act, but it's, uh, it's not, uh. You get a real story. Yeah, you get a real story like and real performances and real characters and real struggles. Yeah. Yeah. What did you guys think? Mm-hmm. There's like these CG animated shots of the New York City, you know, mm-hmm. they go around. It's like, oh, they put thought into this. That, that wouldn't be in like a, a porno. Yeah, it's not, <laughs> um, it's not the, fo- the money shot is not the focus. It's not definitely. like a close up well, on no, someone's I, th- pussy, I think it really. definitely is a fo- No, I think it definitely is the focus of the movie. Oh. I think its intention is to make you very uncomfortable or, or like at least make you laugh with like the absurd amount yeah, of sex I would and say nudity comedy. because it's not really expected in film. In a, in a kind of regular narrative film that most people would see. To see this amount of excessive yeah. real sex and nudity and close, close-ups on dicks and, <laughs> and gay sex. I mean, like, it, and there I, wasn't much it, of a you know, close-up. It wasn't like, it very... Was, it was it wasn't in very, frame. Okay. I wouldn't call it like... Oh, right. you know, the, the objective of how they filmed it certainly wasn't to like make you fucking jerk off. No, yeah. As I say, I think it was... Most of the time, for me, came across as more comedic in tone mm-hmm. the way they were exactly. like the sex scene the three-way scene is like pretty funny there's there's lots of humor yeah. to it and it makes the the one dram- kind of more serious intense sex scene have a have a lot more weight um when it comes later in the movie yeah but and yeah i i i, I enjoyed this movie overall but i did have some mm-hmm. kind of issues with it, it it's it's yeah it's certainly unlike <laughs> anything i've seen before in terms of this the, just the pure amount of sex that is in it but it does achieve the, the goal of not just being a porno i never even i never even crossed my mind that i'm watching a porno like it did with showgirls or uh, something like that i, I felt yeah. like yeah it felt uh, like I the, the first that. and foremost it was a film you know it wasn't mm-hmm. about yeah as you say sex is a huge part of humans and humanity and a film kind of throwing it out there like yeah look they're fucking like everyone does in the world so deal with it type stuff yeah mm-hmm. i don't think the film is like comedically strong enough to stand on its own no. without the sex or I dramatically think the sex strong was, in my opinion. or dramatically strong enough without that stuff that's what i mean like i think it is a focus i think that's the draw of the film is that it has tons of sex if it didn't uh, through the lens of comedy it, it wouldn't though, really I, I think. through the lens of comedy right and very in a very absurd way <laughs> kind of but we kind of absurdly presented i guess i don't know i think i think um maybe i, I i'm not gonna say that, like your interpretation is wrong or anything but i think maybe sure. an aspect that you might be missing from it that i'm definitely getting out of it and i'm sure a lot of um people with i guess uh atypical sexualities or sexual experiences or you know growing up coming out sort of thing is like this film is mm-hmm. not just like, oh, yeah, like, haha, funny comedy sex. Like, it's a very sexually liberating kind of film, which is a, a concept that not a lot of people get. It's not something, you know, just saying the word sexually True. liberating is not something that a lot of people are going to connect with. But it is 
a thing, right? And it it is mm-hmm. fresh to have. Uh, it's it's uh, not just fresh. What's the word? It's um, refreshing. <laughs> it's refreshing to have uh, something that isn't afraid to show these things. And it's not you know it's not the goal of the film to produce a porn. It's not the goal of the film to have people being like, oh, that's hot. I want to jerk off sort of thing. It's it's a, a film that's that's not afraid to show these things. It's a film that is saying like, yeah, we accept you. We don't care sort of thing, which is something that a lot of people, um, again, people with atypical sexualities or growing up having to like come out or, you know, stuff like that, um, whether it be trans, gay, whatever, uh, a lot of people kind of would need to feel something like that in their lives or appreciate that being said. So in that sense, I think Mm -hmm. that's something that the film is going for, that it does achieve that definitely not everybody is going to get. Yeah, it does achieve that. I I, I, I actually did pick up that level just on the, on the basis of the, the relationships of the characters. I felt like the things they were talking about and the way they were talking about it and the settings they're in were, we're fresh and realistic in that kind of way. But I think what I'm more saying about the, the sex scenes is that the ones that stand out in my mind are the, the comedic ones more than anything, like where the woman's on the bench in the middle of the night kind of jerking off and mm-hmm. it's clearly for, like, humour. And Comes the, like, in his own mouth. Scene like that. And is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like That's that the kind shit. of stuff I'm more thinking of. Star-spangled banner? Is that yeah, yeah. Know? Yeah, the silliness of it definitely comes out in, in some of the sex scenes because... I, I don't really know how else you could really direct it if it's not like right. an intense emotion associated with the scene, you know? Mm-hmm. The film has some self-awareness with like how uncomfortable these these kind of subject matters are, especially in like American cinema. Like not really, it's not yeah, really explored a yeah, lot. Yeah, over here in Europe, we're not as scared. Yeah, or yeah, yeah, France, yeah. Europe, yeah. It's no big deal. But here, so they're exploring it in a way and they definitely want to address the fact that it might be uncomfortable for a general audience by approaching it in a funny way, mm-hmm. by showing close-ups on dicks and things that would make most people uncomfortable seeing, <laughs> <You know? laughs> which is mm. a fine comedic approach. I mean, I thought I thought it worked for the movie just fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the look of the movie; very colorful. Like, uh, yeah, there's yeah. the scene they're in, like a it's like a cryo chamber. What is it? Like you cut yourself oh, the off. Sensory the deprivation. <laughs> oh, those. Yeah, sensory yeah, yeah. deprivation chamber. Yeah, that's right. It's like all green. Like it has yeah. a color palette that's really There's like, some nice. there's co- some cool setups and some cool yeah. scenes. Yeah, the sets and it, it it feels uh it has the vibe of like a kind of hipster New York City. Yeah. It works. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I found the heart of the movie to be um what's his name? The character James. Paul Dawson plays him. Um, he's kind of the tragic character. With oh, the, yeah. The framing of the movie is him. It opens with him and by the pool, and you don't really know what's going on. And when that's revealed, yeah. that's kind of a that, that's the emotional kind of heart of the movie to me. Mm-hmm. The, the only thing though that kind of robs some of the emotion for me personally was the the whole kind of stalker dynamic. I wasn't really. Yeah. I wasn't it's really. Bizarre. I didn't really understand. Uh-huh. Yeah, like. He's saved by his stalker when he's. We've said spoilers, haven't we? When yeah. he's, you know, um, when he has his suicide attempt, um, and he's saved by his stalker, and then he kind of is. He seems weirdly okay with it, and then has sex with him. Huh. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I wasn't really sure 
what I was supposed to take away from that 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 could have been fleshed out a bit better for sure. I think that there's ways where you could write it where it would make a bit more sense. Where you could say something like, okay, well, he's been afraid to like open himself up and make himself feel vulnerable to people throughout his whole life and um that's part of yeah, what led him into this depression and if he finds you know now he's with somebody that uh supposedly knows him inside and out sort of thing just by i guess voyeurism if they they could have communicated that a bit better if that's what they were going for for sure yeah because i guess when I, i'm seeing it face value is stalker yeah it's kind of, kind of things that flash into your mind the imagery associated with stalkers and yeah. and that kind of thing like if if it was a bloke and the and it was stalking like a woman it would be kind of a creepy <laughs> you know yeah <laughs> but the the only other major thing that bothered me was that kind of bizarre scene that i thought was going to relate to more of the movie but early on where the old mayor has a a little segment to himself where he's talking about how when he was mayor, he wishes he mm-hmm. we, he he tried his best with the AIDS crisis and stuff like that. Um, I've obviously got no problem with the message. I was just confused as to what that was doing in the movie, really, because it didn't really relate to anything mm-hmm. yeah. outside of the the message. I th- you know, I think that yeah. part of like the goals of the film, um, it is like you know, kind of like a you could call it like a social justicey movie if you want. Um, part of the goals of the film was like to kind of show different angles and like be inclusive about um, the different stories and characters that they were approaching. And so I think that that's probably just a, a byproduct of them being like, okay, what else can we put in here sort of thing uh, where it might, yeah, it doesn't really I attach the other itself guy... to like the full story as much. Yeah, the guy who owned the short bus or whatever, the guy who actually owned the space mm-hmm. on that character, I felt did that kind of commentary a bit better for me because I thought he had some of the better kind of comedic lines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are some funny lines. I think that I think yeah, the comedy definitely. did work well. The <laughs> menstrual blood lipstick. It's a period piece. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a there's a lot of like slap sticky sexual jokes <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that were. Yeah, it was all yeah. Uh, it's it like a vibrator and in her and there's like a remote <laughs> and it makes her like punch a guy in the face there's like lots of silly like stuff yeah, like that it's, that's it's almost like like, like, like it's there's so some parts <laughs> that feel like in concept it would belong in like an american pie movie or something uh-huh but exactly this has mm-hmm. a bit more like and then there's very serious parts there's like a whole it. right well like james is making like a you think he's making a film um, but mm-hmm. then he like right, almost yeah. he tries to kill himself, and there's this very serious like part, and in the same movie, or like ten minutes later, you know, you have a scene of her with a, a an egg in her vagina, and they're vibrating it, yeah. <laughs> and she's yeah. punching a guy in the face. Like it's so all the over comedy the place, is crucial the to the movie. Like this, the yeah, setup is I guess the, so. the the sex therapist who has never experienced an mm-hmm. orgasm. Like mm-hmm. that's a funny you know setup. It is and the same yeah. for. Yeah, there's there's lots of comedy in the yeah, Jennifer like Aniston character. That's yeah. like, like a forty year old virgin kind of. Yeah, yeah. But it feels like one of those Judd Apatow kind of movies, and then mm-hmm. mixed in is all this like these progressive messages and like like all this other like sexuality, <laughs> and it's very it's very interesting. But it's a lot to take in, and the tone of it is very um, all over the place. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I think I, I like it though. I guess it depends on your your taste, what you like. Yeah. 
it it's it was created in kind of like an experimental way not just you know in concept with showing you know sex as part of the film but also like in how they cast it and how they wrote it um essentially they mm -hmm. uh, got like a bunch of they had like 500 video submissions which uh were submissions not just like acting but also porn is basically what they requested and they cut it down to 40 and then had all of these 40 people basically in a theater viewing the submissions with like a, a little questionnaire thing that they filled out uh privately you know like just on a piece of paper by themselves and so they figured out like okay what are the attraction levels between these people would you have sex with this person yes or no sort of thing and then mm -hmm. they from that they cut it down to like nine people and then constructed the story around like okay so these people are comfortable having sex with each other let's have them in a scene or let's have these characters in a relationship sort of thing and they built not only the story but also their characters around the actors they basically did like improv workshops with each other and figured out what their characters and stories would be based on that and so it's telling a few different stories at once obviously but I do like that it's a film where not only are each of these characters pretty well fleshed out and watchable and relatable, but they also have their own struggles. They also have their own goals and their own issues. That's nice to see in a film. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah it's that's very true. ambitious, right? Like all that behind the movie, I think is more interesting than actually like the film itself watching the narrative and the characters themselves like i've seen more interesting kind of characters than this drama exploring yeah. similar things mm -hmm. yeah drama i've seen i mean well i'm thinking of ending things was a bit more interesting in terms of how it dealt with suicide i guess mm -hmm. but i've seen other films kind mm -hmm. of tackle that better i don't want to say it's like lifetime movie-ish like how they they show like these very serious things but you know i i want these things to be developed more mm -hmm. or like if you're going to show it in a movie kind of make it a whole thing don't just like have one scene of suicide or one scene where like the mayor is like yeah aids or whatever yeah. <laughs> yeah. like there's a lot going on in the movie there's a <laughs> i just wish it would focus yeah. a bit more on one thing yeah you could yeah. say it's trying to do too much at once uh-huh a, a bit it does have a lot of characters yeah. Some of which gets sidelined a... after a certain point. Yeah, like the husband too. character has doesn't have much depth to him. Yeah, not he at all. He needs to be the way he is. So the yeah, but I mean, whatever. It doesn't bother yeah. me too much. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's entertaining. The main woman, um, the sex therapist character, she's actually a uh, she was a radio host at CBC um during mm -hmm. <laughs> during the filming of this movie and uh cbc found out that she would be in the film it almost cost her her job until uh basically this like campaign where a bunch of like famous directors and filmmakers including david thewlis and including like francis ford coppola all wrote like public letters oh, of nice. support for it so that she was able to continue starring in the film without it meaning costing her job and so canada was like okay <laughs> yeah. just let it happen <laughs> that would be ridiculous cool. yeah. yeah yeah i really liked all of the music there were a lot of mm -hmm. songs yeah, in the film music. some mm -hmm. uh just as part of the soundtrack others you know taking place in the film's universe all of it was really well done and i think that you know the mayor of new york scene is really emotionally effective for me especially because of that music playing at the same time i think that the music complements the scene really right. well mm -hmm. um also the 
dude playing guitar and singing looks like a younger Stanley Kubrick, which is hilarious. <laughs> I kept thinking that, yeah. I kept, yeah. thought I was missing something, some yeah. detail or Easter egg. I was really confused by that. The the dude who's uh, paying the dominatrix looks like Eco Raptor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I see it. I can see. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> there's a, like i hadn't seen this movie for a while it's always something that i've liked mm-hmm. but yeah seeing it's it recently there's more jokes that i was able to pick up on you know the the stalker characters in the background of a lot of scenes that i didn't notice in before and it was kind of like a sammy synecdoche new york kind of thing going on which was kind of fun all right i like the cum shot on the jackson pollock painting that was pretty funny <laughs> yeah that was funny yeah, a lot of nine eleven kind of commentary in there too. Oh yeah, yeah. Nine eleven is the only real thing that ever happened to them. That was one of the bit, the bits of dialogue mm-hmm. that I liked. <laughs> it's got some cheese in there. It's not like completely mm-hmm. plenty of cheese, flawless or anything. There's like a weird part mm-hmm. where, uh, you know, he's got like the app, and then the mayor of New York's pacemaker gets affected by it or something. <laughs> it's just like what? That was a little weird, but. Maybe he was faking it. Maybe he just wanted to get some attention f- from that young young boy. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that the I love that the character's name is Seth with a C. Oh right. <laughs> I don't have much. Yeah, I don't have much more to say about it either. Because it's just like yeah, there's a lot of sex. It was kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, it's fairly simplistic and. Uh-huh. The drama has its moments, but I think mm-hmm. it, it overall works better as a comedy than a straight-up drama. Mm-hmm. And I could get behind the messages of it, too. Mm-hmm. It's better to be yeah, yeah. Out, out there with it and blatant than, well, like, do the right thing. It was like that, too, right? Yeah. It's like, take the message. Yeah, yeah and like, the, 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 the main, you know, <laughs> the main woman good. who's never yeah. orgasmed her, you know, her arc, basically, of, you know, embracing her, her sexuality and yeah. not repressing it for the sake of someone she doesn't even really want to be with deep down yeah. that's you know relatable yeah like at it, yeah. at its heart it's like a sexually liberating movie like that's mm-hmm. the main thing that it's going for and i think it I yeah and on that aspect that. it does work mm-hmm. yeah premiered at can <laughs> i wonder what that uh theater would have yeah been like yeah, been <laughs> yeah they're european they've seen it before yeah yeah true don't care <laughs> i see it walking at the beach <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, I I really I really enjoy this film. I connect with what it's going for. I connect with both the drama and the comedy. And although it's not perfect, there are definitely things that could be improved about it. Um, yeah, still still love it. Glad I was able to see it again. I'm giving this one uh, eight out of ten. Okay. Uh, yeah, Alex, go ahead. Yeah, uh, I enjoyed it. It's certainly not something you see every day in a in a film, that's for sure. And yeah, the 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 sexual themes are the the core of the movie, and they explore it in a good way. I, for me, it was just after a certain point, I found some of the 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 jokes to kind of become a bit repetitive for me, and mm-hmm. the, the punchlines being fairly similar in the in the way they're coming across. But yeah, I I, I did enjoy it. Um, and I would recommend watching it. I'd I'd probably give this a, a seven or so. Mm-hmm. I'm around where Alex is. I think like six out of ten. Mm-hmm. It's funny, and I, yeah, I, I enjoyed it just fine. Maybe it's also watching a Charlie Kaufman film and a Chris Nolan film, <laughs> and then watching this. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, the mind fuck. Like, yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, it's like just two epic filmmakers, and then, but this is still really it was unique, definitely. Mm-hmm. I'll never see another film like it. What other films like basically open with a cum shot to the face? You know, <laughs> uh, Gaspar Noé's Love, which was not yeah. good. He got two, right? <laughs> it was a three D cum shot at the camera. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, that is a lot uh, of sex in it, too. And then, yeah. then they did a Q&A after, after the movie. They, like, we had a 3D glasses thing going on. The theater was at TIFF, I think. <laughs> and then Gaspar Noé and the main actor come out. I'm like, oh, you just came on my face. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Oh, God, that's absurd. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm sure all these actors and director did press for the can stuff, too. So it's like, oh, you just you just watched me yeah. fuck. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> That is quite uncomfortable. Yeah. And nice. that I'm not quite sure what he was going for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In love. Yeah. I guess that's just people have sex. But right, like, like that's it. I guess that's just that's the message of the movie. <laughs> Gaspar Noe went at the it's, Q&A it's very, for that movie. Gaspar Noe just came out and was like, hey, what he said? yeah, we didn't have a script. <laughs> he literally just said that. He's like, we didn't have a script. We just kind of yeah. like well, went around, filmed pe- them yeah, fucking, exactly. and decided, what, figured out what we wanted it to be. But it's about like, a yeah, relationship. Yeah, you tell it didn't have a fucking script. Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's about love and how, yeah. And then sex is worked in there somehow. There was, there was like no self-awareness as like this, like short bus was funny with it. Yeah. Like, you know, and I appreciate that at least. I appreciate that it was trying to say something mm-hmm. unlike mm-hmm. love. Yeah. All right, question time. Yeah, Let's do some questions then from the Sardonicast community. Head over to our subreddit where there'll be a suggestion thread where you can ask us whatever you feel like. Let's start off with this one then from uh, hmm, Bender the Giant. So, Francis Ford Coppola is doing a new cut of Godfather 3 and is supposedly changing the beginning and ending. My question is, can you think of any movies that you disliked the theatrical cut but went back and watched a director's cut or something, and appreciated it more. I doubt it'll be this Godfather 3 cut, but... For me, it's a Blade Runner final cut. The first time I saw the original Blade Runner was the Harrison Ford narration one, which is just, you know, purposefully bad. So when I saw the... Yeah, it's called the final cut, isn't it? Is that the good one? I can't remember. Whatever. Yeah, the final cut. And then I was like, oh, yeah, this is this is the movie I was kind of hoping for and imagining from this. I like I like the Midsummer one. A lot. Oh, I still haven't seen that. Yes, it finally yeah. showed up. Which I saw I that, saw, semi- I saw I saw that, that this quarantine. And I, I was impressed. Yeah, it does add yeah. a fair amount to the movie. Because I saw that like last summer, like only a few weeks after seeing the original cut. It just came out in theaters. That and it added a lot more to like their relationship. I think mm-hmm. there was a whole yeah, sequence that there were at night. You know, it was a, a you just get more night. context. Yeah. Uh huh. It was it was cool, yeah. They had more context for one of the characters, like deaths. You actually see the mm-hmm. ritual that's done. I think we talked about it before. Yeah, we did. We talked about Midsummer. Yeah, yeah. That's right, yeah I just haven't I seen the director's cut. Midsummer yeah. and and the director's cut. We talked about too. Like I think okay. I mentioned it on here. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's great. I think the direct the director's cut's better. If you had a choice, I think you should watch that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. it's much longer though. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't have any where I feel <laughs> like super thing. strongly. I'll always watch the director's cut. As long as it's like the director's cut, with some exceptions probably that I'm not thinking of. Like uh, the act of killing director's cut, same movie but longer, but it's just fucking great. So it's like why, I mean, like I enjoy every minute of it. So I don't care that there's an extra 20 minutes because I'm enjoying those extra 20 minutes more, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. 
you can still get the same movie out of it essentially by watching the theatrical but yeah i mean always go for the director's cut be careful if something says extended cut rather than director's cut because sometimes that's just done (laughs) with extra footage that the director didn't even want in there so like there's an extended cut of the handmaiden which just like it's not the same movie kind of ruins it things are like told in a different way not the same emotional impact Mm. but yeah like (laughs) like chanbook park with the the cut he made was the theatrical cut and then they're just like oh let's do an extended cut okay like the studio or whatever decided to do that Mm -hmm. so i've only ever seen the director's cut of brazil thank god yeah apparently the theatrical Mm -hmm. cut or the american one or whichever one there's like they they give it a happy ending (laughs) where they keep the happy ending of the film yeah yeah it's not supposed to be yeah there's some things i wish there was a director's cut for that there aren't like the original Mm -hmm. dawn of the dead ending fucking sucks and when i hear Mm -hmm. about what the concept for the original ending was i'm like holy shit i wish that was in the movie god damn Mm -hmm. but they never even filmed it the studio just was like nope see how i feel about the snyder cut yeah yeah i was about to make a snyder cut joke (laughs) yeah we can revisit that when that comes out this question yeah no joke dude i'm excited is the is the aspect ratio actually different <laughs> or was that just in the trailer oh yeah the trailer for the snyder cut yeah, yeah it had a different yeah. aspect ratio than it was like not four how, by how three but it was a little it was if, from that if, dc if fandom thing like a week or two ago yeah it might just be because you know it's on twitter they they adjusted it oh yeah so maybe. who knows maybe but if it actually is like different aspect ratio i think that'd be really funny black and white <laughs> that would be funny. <laughs> it's black and white it's like the lighthouse yeah. <laughs> that'd be so good it's so ridiculous i had the letter cohen song hallelujah it was just from watchmen <laughs> that was the same song from watchmen in the most yeah. over-the-top sex scene that like mm-hmm. could, it was two paddles long in the in the comic probably <laughs> whatever i'm looking forward to that one that'll be the yeah, next so great right. director's cut that's why I mentioned it. <laughs> yeah. Well, seeing as we are on uh, episode sixty-nine, you yeah, can imagine what 69. some of the uh, some of the questions are like. Okay. We got a good one from uh, Hemroy XII. Has a special question for episode sixty-nine. Do you think that a film's capacity to make you horny slash turn you on is worth credit or recognition in a rating or review? Even though this might seem like an easy no, this idea is interesting to me as personal enjoyment seems to be at least a big factor in a lot of people's film opinions and horniness may be different, but it's still a form of personal enjoyment. Which is a huh. uh, interesting, interesting question. Yeah, very which I can't say I've, I've put much thought to. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I, don't, <laughs> I don't have like a list of films in my head that maybe people in the 80s did where it's like the jerk off films mm-hmm. and stuff like that well i don't think people don't really just watch anymore. films to watch a, a scene where people are naked or sex like i think people watch a film for a story which is why it's different from porn so i don't know there's always an element too of they hire attractive people in movies because you're naturally just drawn to to attractive people Right, your eye is like you can't yeah. even help it. Like you watch, you see a pretty person on a poster, you're like, oh, I want to see that movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's always like an element of sexuality in films to draw you in, because that's what what people like. Just like people like violence, like uh, explosions and yeah, um, sex all, sells. You know, mm-hmm. it sells. Right, put it on a as cover. As long as you're not put overt with it, that's cover. the weird thing. You're allowed uh-huh. to sell things with sex as long as it's not short bus, I guess. Then it just gets like banned. As long as you're not exploiting people in the in the film, mm-hmm. 
the actual actors. Mm, yeah. But as far as if it's considered in a rating. Like, could you ever imagine, like, in, like, a quickie or a video being like, <laughs> yeah, just to, so you guys know, this film turned me on quite a lot in this scene. Um, just <laughs> Yeah, but you can say that it's serious. Well, that's like, why that's there has to be, like, that. I think that it's important to also understand, like, the difference between something like a, a personal enjoyment versus, like, something that mm-hmm. you feel is a bit more accessible to other people in a recommendation so if you're if you wanted to be rating a porn you have nothing but how turned on you are to rate the porn yeah, but unless you want to talk about the fucking cinematography in a porno which no one does yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, oh my god yeah. the fucking there's no discussion shot. of like, that it was so well, <laughs> it was so well lit Right. The um, set is really like, nice. Yeah, yeah it, it it really depends on what you're going for. But like, there's tons of movies where I, you know, Showgirls is, is an example. But there's tons mm-hmm. of other movies where like the plot just essentially stops, and it's like, okay, well, what's the point of this? Am I supposed to be turned on right now? Like, what the fuck is the point of this? Right? Um, where like, if you don't have that sexuality, if you're not turned on by it, if it isn't your thing, then it does really nothing for you. So it'd be weird to kind of have like like yeah i mean like i get the argument i get what you're saying by you know your your response to something sexual is a subjective experience and so is your response to something emotional also or comedic right um but at Mm -hmm. the same time it's like it's a bit more of like a hardwired thing like sure our, our emotions are hardwired too but sexuality is like illogical you can't you can't justify a fetish or a sexuality you can't you can't logically work your way up to it you have to logically explain backwards from it you it's basically starting at oh i'm attracted to this and then you can try and figure out why in in sort of a justification being like okay because this is associated with this and this emotion and blah 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 but you can't work your way up to justifying a sexuality you have to go backwards i don't know i feel like your your sense of humor can develop over time like your sense of what you consider to be emotional can develop over time like the your your environment can influence it in ways that it wouldn't really your sexuality which is just like there forever and there's nothing Mm -hmm. you can do about it there's there's some films that are like their sexuality is the selling point, and I would actually yeah. like praise the movie if it was very like like the Fifty Shades of Grey movies. If those movies were actually like hot or presented that culture in any way that was like interesting, right. then like I would be like, okay, I could get behind it. But the movies are like fucking tame, boring shit, and the acting sucks, and there's like nothing to it. It doesn't do what it's set out to do, and I think that's what the audience seeing those movies would want. But it's very tame because it's a rated R, big budget film. When it should be some like short bus. <laughs> Even with mm-hmm. that, there's elements to sexuality that you can put in a review if you wanted to. Like you could say like, oh, this is like tantalizing. Like it could be like a character's relationship if there's like a dominant submissive sort of aspect to that. But I think that what yeah. the question is getting at is just straight up like, oh, the tits are fat or whatever. Like, you know, <laughs> like it's, that, <laughs> I, that's I would, something yeah. that's not really like a part of the artistic <laughs> craft. That's literally just something that exists regardless. Like. I don't know, like, if, if somebody has, like, an inflation fetish or something and they watch, like, a movie about balloons, it's, like, 10 out of 10? Like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> it's very random. Yeah. Yeah. They watch, you can't they watch recommend a film Pixar's based on up. things you find hot. Yeah. Yeah, it makes no sense. Unless you're just recommending it, like, on a fetish website. If you're, like, if you're like yeah, a, a scat fetishist and you're, like, 
<laughs> fucking human centipede. <laughs> like, a fucking sallow. Yeah. <laughs> Here's some good ones, boys. But, I mean, at that point, it's no different than, than a website like, uh, I don't know, doesthedogdie.com. If you're just pointing out, like, mm-hmm. one element, and that's make or break if you want to watch the movie or not. And nothing else matters about, like, about the artistic that. or creative craft of something, then sure. But I don't think yeah. that that should be necessarily relevant in talking about a, a film if you're reviewing it and talking about the artistic choices or the yeah, technical whole, elements, right? right? That's kind of irrelevant mm-hmm. to the conversation. Because mm-hmm. you might as well just be saying, like, oh, Scarlett Johansson's in it. She's hot. 10 out of 10. That's it. Yeah, it's just not a very reasonable metric to measure anything on that relates to more than one person. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. We have this one from Boy Yo 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 Yo, who says, For Adam, oh. as a gay man, what are the most egregious and offensive things a film can do when it portrays your sexuality on screen? Um, well, you know, there's uh, some people have said things like, uh, there's there's gay characters for gay people and there's gay characters for straight people sort of thing and that that's that's true in right. ways not to be like divisive or anything but there's there's points where it d- definitely gives off the impression where it's like okay this is for this is for a little fucking woke point here like right. Disney and and their like one line that they can remove for Russia and China and then yeah, there's yeah. also <laughs> like there's so many there's so many films and TV shows where the character is gay and that's all there is to their character and that's what it is and like it's just it's kind of just obnoxious and annoying um or when it's just like too much of like a like a stereotype sort of thing like you'd never i mean Mm -hmm. not never but it's very rare that you see a gay character where it's just like oh they happen to be gay and they have their own like goals and character outside of that sort of thing um or one where uh you know it's not like super obvious lispy sort of thing um mm-hmm. yeah so it depends on the movie it depends you, you know you, you can have straight people playing gay characters you can have straight people writing gay characters and it you know it can work out fine there just has to be thought put into it <laughs> yeah i mean just treat them like any other character really instead of yeah like this parading around sort of thing that happens every so often can you think of any examples that kind of pop into your head when i ask the question of like egregious examples of gay characters yeah ones that pissed you off personally i'm trying to think of a good example here i usually on the spot they're usually not like i i usually retain memories of like great movies and what i would be talking about usually Mm. not in great movies I don't know, you go further back in time, decade by decade, and you'd see, like, gay characters being represented in less flattering ways the further back mm-hmm. you go in time. Often made yeah. as, like, villains, which I found to be amusing. In the same way that you'd have propaganda about, like, okay, every every villain would have, like, a Russian accent sort of thing. It's, it's just this, like, right. sort of instilling, like, this is the enemy America sort of thing going on, which I found to be, mm-hmm. like, kind of amusing. What was it? Was it like Mad Max Two, where all the where the villains were gay? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. so. The World um, War. Yeah. yeah, but it it depends on where it's coming from, I guess. But it's not to say you can't have a villain that's gay. But mm-hmm. in certain contexts, it almost seems like that's supposed to add 
to them being a villain in of itself. Also, the gay characters in Ben and Arthur. Those were very memorable. Uh, oh, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Gay characters, yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ben and Arthur. <laughs> 10 out of 10. <laughs> Great movie. Yeah, it's... Uh, I don't know. I like it's there's there's movies that do it well. Like Call Me by Your Name is a great movie. It's like it's about mm-hmm. their relationship. And at the same time, yeah, like you have to understand that there's certain clichés that go in with writing gay characters that uh the film was better for not really including as much of like, you know, if you're going to tell a gay romance story, like 99% of them are going to be also about like okay like this person's struggling to come out they're faced with oppression sort of thing whereas call me by your name didn't really do that it was just a movie yeah. where you were able to like yeah. follow their relationship, relationship. And, their relationship you know, was the pretty way that, accepted like, a yeah. straight like, romance their, their movie would, where it's like oh that's nice yeah. and, like it doesn't have to be about uh-huh. this other sort of thing which is you know just more variety is better i would say um right different stories mm-hmm. being told that mm-hmm. don't necessarily follow these like writing checklists of tropes and cliches and character attributes that are just like so repetitive yeah 13 reasons why every character was gay was in that ask so. you. yeah i was gonna ask you about that <laughs> how did you feel about that that part it was just really funny i could like i, I didn't take any of it seriously it was just like, it's oh, so by that you're point. gay, Alex. I never could have known. <laughs> you were like, I'm totally straight, guys. I had sex with a woman <laughs> once. That was the most unconvincing sex scene ever when he fucked that chick. That was so bad. It's like, I don't believe you for it one funny, fucking second. Yeah. I remember in a previous season, he like fucks a hooker or something. Yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah. <laughs> Least convincing performance. Oh, yeah. Like, come on, dude. We all know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sonetki239 has one for us. How can you tell if an indie or art house movie is bad? Where do you draw the line between at least it's unique? The director probably intended for it to be that way. And nah, that was bad. (laughs) And how can you tell when a director's overall artistic voice is not worthwhile despite seeming unique? I think a lot of it comes down to intent, obviously. And so if a film is going to be insistent upon itself and beg an interpretation or beg analysis it should have something to back it up if you're going to go through it and analyze and interpret um so charlie kaufman films a lot of people might hate them because they also beg interpretation and analysis but there's something there to back it up so like if if you see somebody who says they're smart if they're actually smart, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, like People should be able to be honest about themselves or have an opinion about themselves if they think they're intelligent and they actually are. That's fine. But people get annoyed when somebody says, like, oh, yeah, like my IQ is so high and they're just a dumbass and like they make a spelling error while they're saying it sort of thing. It's just like, okay. Um, so in that same mm-hmm. way, you know, you, you can look at films in that way as well. There's a lot of films that um, sort of insist that they're intelligent when they really don't have that much to offer. And, you know, not every art house film has to have some sort of puzzle to solve. That's not like a prerequisite for it being well-made. There are other aspects of the film that can come into play. And with, you know, something like a David Lynch movie where I don't feel like everything that's showing up in the film 
is going to give me the same level of satisfaction as a Charlie Kaufman movie. What he does well is like tone, right? He does he does the tone mm-hmm. and the feel of the movie really well. And if that's what you're looking for and you really love that the tone of his films and the the feeling and the sound design and the visual elements, then that could be a perfect movie for somebody, right? So mm-hmm. really depends. Yeah. Well, a movie can be unique and bad still. You can find a movie bad and still acknowledge Hell it yeah. being unique. Those are my favorite bad movies. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, a, I don't think a, it, it particularly experience. matters, you know. I don't even look at a movie like an art house indie. I, I just watch it. <laughs> like as its own yeah. experience. Is it, is it, it told sucks. in an interesting way? Is <laughs> yeah. the story is it, good? Are the yeah. characters good? Is the, yeah. the visuals interesting? Is it showing me something new? You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of things to measure it. Most films are just very average, so... <laughs> If there's something that stands out, yeah. If it is unique, then it is notable in some way inherently. Exactly. So that does put it above Uh certain things. I would I would argue most films are bad, but most films that we could see in a theater are probably closer to average than bad. Okay. There's a lot of films that don't even get that far. (laughs) Yeah, most Mm -hmm. films that are generally accessible, like if you turn on Amazon Prime or Netflix and you scroll through, probably most of those movies are are watchable. Mm Hmm. Although on Netflix, I'm not too sure anymore. But. Oh, really? <laughs> I would say I, I would say Amazon Prime has a lot of. I've created a list of things. That, <laughs> I mean, like the front page of Amazon like Prime, garbage. like the very front page. <laughs> yeah. Don't don't go search it. But they're like looking for of, new like, content, whereas like films. Netflix has like a shit ton of content. Not to say that everything on Netflix is like yeah. great or anything. Netflix has a lot of crap, also. But yeah, all hey, Venom's on there. <laughs> Venom, Hulu. Yeah, Hulu has a bunch of crap. Chaka Chaka 26 says, if you were alive, do you think Stanley Kubrick would be cancelled due to hashtag me too? If he made Lolita today, maybe. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or The possibly. Shining. People are mad at Quentin Tarantino for the whole, like, how he treated Uma Thurman and Kill Bill. So That's yes. right, the whole car yeah, he, thing. He gets yeah. lots of criticism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he could be. He very well could be. Yeah, I'm sure like everyone from the 60s could probably be cancelled for something. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Ohl has one. All of you are rather infrequent posters. What kind of pressure does that add to your uploads? I disagree. <laughs> I upload videos every single fucking day across yeah, all true. my channels. You upload probably a bit more frequently than Ralph and I. I upload but... frequently, but, you know, I take breaks. Yeah. I think he, I, I guess he means more your kind of big yeah. YMS reviews. Yeah, more so the, yeah. the big projects that, that take Adam. more than a day to make, so I can't post them yeah. every day. Yeah. Um, yeah, it puts pressure on me because a lot of people just don't even fucking understand the, the effort that goes into it. Um, but I think that the people that are a part of my fan base, like on my subreddit mostly, you know, the people donating to my Patreon obviously see the work that goes into it. You know, you look at all the fucking shit I did with the Kimba review. You can, I live streamed mm-hmm. all of that. Like you can literally see the work that goes into it. Um, like even, even like right now, people are like, oh, you gotta like post the Lion King review. It's been forever. But it's like, you, if you, if you look at the perspective of just like the total amount of minutes that I've released of full YMS content this year has already surpassed the previous like four years. Like it's more than I've released last year and the year before and the year before and i'm about to fucking double it but there's always going to be people mm-hmm. no matter what i fucking do that are going to 
just be like, oh, you're not really working. Like, why are you playing video game on your day off? Like, fucking. So, yeah, there's like nothing you can do about it. There's always going to be idiots. It literally doesn't even matter like what your content output is. And there's also people that literally just like they see certain channels posting every single day and they don't understand. They don't understand the difference between like the, the videos the quality, the effort, the research, the editing that goes into a video like that versus a video that takes longer to make. And they think like, well, how come mm-hmm. how come they're mm-hmm. posting every single fucking day and you're not? It's like, well, uh, if you can't tell the difference between these line, two things, usually. then I can understand why you believe that. And there's mm-hmm. this fear mongering among certain types of YouTubers too, where they believe if they don't upload for one or two days, then their channel will just be over. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if that were the case, then, I mean, you probably don't even want the audience that you have, you know? You, yeah, and I <laughs> think they're just going to jump um, ship if you don't upload for a couple of days. From what I've noticed, like, the algorithm is pretty forgiving for channels that don't post as frequently. Like, if there's a channel that, that like, you've watched a lot of videos from and they don't upload for, like, three months... And then they do like it's more than likely it'll show up in your sub box or front page or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, in my case, anyway. And always, you can just turn on notifications if you really love a channel that much. Anyway, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll upload more frequently starting soon. <laughs> You'll all see. But yeah, I haven't. I haven't uploaded anything. You get what you deserve. <laughs> you get what you fucking deserve. <laughs> <laughs> How about this one then from Rocket Salesman? This is a question for all three of you. The Academy Awards just announced that starting in 2024, Best Picture nominees will have to meet two out of four diversification categories to be considered. The categories are On Screen, Among the Crew, At the Studio, and Training slash Advancement Opportunities for Underrepresented Groups. For example, to meet the on-screen representation standard, a film must either have at least one lead character or a significant supporting character be from an underrepresented racial or ethnic group. At least 30% of secondary roles must be from two underrepresented... Uh, God, I'm saying underrepresented so many times. Groups. Or the main storyline, themes, or narrative must be focused on said group. How do you think this would change or affect both representation in the industry and the quality of film? Um, so I actually looked at the specifics for what those requirements are. And like... On surface level, it's like kind of, you know, you know, people are obviously going to be like, uh, Oscar's going woke. I mean, they've been going woke for fu- fucking forever without really doing it. Um, <laughs> That's their brand. Green book. Yeah. Yay. Uh, so I don't know. The <laughs> what what it appears to be is really requirements that like every single movie is already meeting anyway where it's just like oh you have to have like i thought it'd be like one (laughs) one stagehand from an underrepresented group or something like somebody on the crew Mm -hmm. basically uh the requirements are not really that high what i wish would have happened though with them you know releasing this is for them to be a bit more specific so if i'm thinking things like okay the lighthouse very small cast uh i don't know how big their Mm -hmm. crew was They've probably, you know, they've probably got some underrepresented minorities in the crew. And, you know, it's possible that they would they would just be fine with that alone. But then it's like, what if what if you're making an experimental movie where it's just like created by one person that did literally everything? It's just some white guy. And it's like, okay, it's literally not possible to get best picture, I Mm -hmm. guess. 
which is obviously an extreme example, but I wish they would be more specific with what they mean by underrepresented ethnic groups. So if like if you had a movie made in like Poland or something, does that not count because they're all white? Like if everybody that was filming the movie, they were all Polish people or like... A Wakali would movie? Does that mean Who Killed Cats and Alex couldn't win? The oh, they could. Picture? They're all upper, underrepresented. I mean, I'm I'm assuming yeah, true, what true. they mean is like, you know, like if you got if if your movie has all black people in it, I'm sure like it would it would be acceptable for best picture. Mm-hmm. I'm not even sure they're going to go through with a fine tooth comb. Like, are they going to literally just find out the race of every single person that worked on the movie? Are they going to do that mm-hmm. for best picture nominations? Like, I don't think so. I think this is all just platitudes. Yeah. I think it's all just a bunch yeah. of say without really doing anything. Yeah, just to surely be like, once a production yeah. gets above a certain size, just the statistical likelihood of having a range would be increased. Right. Yeah. Like Adam said, yeah. most most studio productions already have a diverse yeah, cast. Yeah, I don't think it changes And this is much. just kind of like an extra, it's kind of just like a gatekeeping, like, thing <laughs> like i don't get really the point of it but i guess it's, it's i think fine. they're pretending to be progressive without really doing anything <laughs> is what's happening yeah, which right. is what the oscars loves to most do. studio films well, the already go by the they have diverse the cast in a while. yeah right yeah exactly awesome green book <laughs> we solved racism with green book please all right one more question Let's end on this one then from Vince is depressed. What effects do you think recent events, the pandemic and Black Lives Matter, will have on the film industry, for example? I can see more of an attempt to include black filmmakers, as we just kind of said. And Mm -hmm. for the pandemic, I can see the trope in horror movies of characters being really dumb in easy situations being ruined. Anti-mask people ruin that trope. I thought that was a funny observation about the horror movies. Because I, was, I wasn't really thinking about that. Yeah. Turns out mm. people are that dumb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so how this will affect Hollywood? Yeah, we're going to get a bunch of pandemic movies. We kind of already are starting to. That fucking movie called Host was basically uh-huh. unfriended on Zoom. That was set during the pandemic. Ah. Filmed and edited Tenet, during lockdown um, sort of thing. Had a big plot point or plot element of masks, or they had to wear masks to be. Yeah, which is funny. Oh yeah, that was like me before. Just kept thinking about masks. Yeah. So John David Washington (laughs) had a mask on going around. I'm like, oh yeah. (laughs) It feels like like this movie was ahead of its time. It's awesome. He knew it was Uh a pandemic. (laughs) Nolan's in on it. It's like how Kubrick was in on the moon landing or whatever. Yeah. Like Warner Brothers just has some tie-in with the CIA. <laughs> they get their directors to do. He tried to yeah. warn us. Uh-huh. Chris Nolan's gonna like direct some some Mars landing or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he could totally do that. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, like obvious. Like this is this is true for any sort of like greater mm-hmm. social advancements or social ideas Mm -hmm. that have happened throughout history, right? So you might not see it all at once, but, um, you know, like, there's obviously a lot more representation in films than there was 50 years ago, and that's a byproduct Mm -hmm. of, you know, real-life social issues that have existed. So it would be weird to say that anything happening today wouldn't affect the film industry, like art imitates life and life imitates art so um right yeah pandemic specifically what i'm expecting is there's going to be a lot of fucking bullshit 
movies that try to capture the whole pandemic thing like there's there's people in hollywood right now like thinking how can we capitalize off of this contagion you know, like the whole 2012 thing <laughs> no, that, whole, no. that whole thing you know the fuck that yeah oh it's gonna be awesome so many bad roland emmerich will come back oh god yeah <laughs> probably is he the most successful gay director probably is yeah like net yeah. worth maybe i don't know but surely the one of the biggest effects on the industry it being covid and the just the income that is being lost i feel like that's gonna something has to result from that because what people are saying is still still got another year or so of you know the minimum of, of worrying about this kind of stuff so mm-hmm. how can it go that long with this theater kind of design which is t- completely designed around sardining a bunch of people in a in a room yeah you know it, it just doesn't make sense for our current climate government is really fucking up in every imaginable way governments all across <laughs> the world especially in the u.s yeah. sorry ralph but like for you to b- bail out gigantic corporations for like no reason before citizens even get any kind of help that that was literally the first thing that happened was just like okay we're gonna bail out all these billionaire corporations it's like bail out the movie industry right bail out the industries Mm -hmm. that are actually affected by this right i wouldn't Mm -hmm. be opposed to that so that like by the end of this whole thing like we still have the same services in society that we did beforehand movie industry and like restaurants and shit like they actually need yeah, restaurants sort of are really safety struggling net, yeah right so like these I big be studios have they have a lot of money i think they can afford to not release a movie for a year but yeah restaurants really suffer from that mm-hmm. like they need to have people come in yeah i was more yeah. talking about like All theater food industry getting. than movie industry yeah. for bailouts yeah but... yeah I mean, even the theater industry, like all the food and concessions, that's how the theaters make money. And people aren't going to get as much food or eat in the theater because they have to wear masks. Well, this, mm-hmm. yeah, the, it's, it's hilarious. Yeah. They expect so you that's to how they wear make their mask, money. but that's also, you know, you can eat shit. Just yeah, take, like, it okay, eat. Take, take it off. Like, it, it, like, it doesn't yeah, make any sense yeah, when you put yeah. any logic to it. Yeah, the movie was so good. I was just focused on that. I didn't eat food. But mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like, no one, I don't know. It's just a dated idea in this climate. Mm-hmm. And I hope it changes. I hope, you know, five years from now, theater experience is normal. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, I'd hope so, but you just, I just don't even know. I don't even want to think about the future. I just want to let it, I just want to wash over me. <laughs> let it wash over you. Yep. Uh-huh. yep. I'm excited to see where things go. Give it, a, give it until 2022. We might, you know, it's not going to be completely back to normal, but we might be able to go to a theater like normally <laughs> yeah yeah god <laughs> you want to do one more question i'm in the mood for just one more okay okay we, we could do this one from funky 35791 who says has there ever been a guest you really wanted but couldn't get on the cast oh i've had one mm-hmm. um, okay i've emailed uve ball i don't know balls people oh yeah cool. um I emailed them ages ago though, and they never got back. And I know they're active on it because they they emailed me first about some oh. video I did about Uve Ball. So I know they they're active on it. They're using it, so they must have ignored the proposal. Come on, Uve. <laughs> Should send him a an email to his restaurant. I've emailed yeah. your brain a few times. <laughs> a few times he hasn't got back. <laughs> <laughs> 
He's probably busy though. It's okay. Probably doesn't know how to use Discord. Yeah, that's <laughs> another factor. <laughs> is like people on the subreddit are saying like, "Oh, you should get Charlie Kaufman on the podcast." I'm like, this is a bit of a commitment. <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. it's like over an hour. You gotta like teach someone how to use Discord. It's like you gotta. You gotta, gotta watch a movie. Right? Yeah. yeah, not everybody can do the podcast. Yeah, some people just don't want to do it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they would tell you like just fuck off. Any guests? <laughs> fuck you i hate your show <laughs> i never got any of that from mm-hmm, people yeah. i usually just get you know ignored ignored responses <laughs> someone that i wish could be on the podcast that that i couldn't get Nah, like i don't i don't consider like the podcast is fun i don't like if i really respect and admire someone you know, I it's not like oh yeah, I would want them on the podcast, but I might want to have a conversation with them. I might want to say mm-hmm. hi and interact with them, and you know, share an experience in some way. But the podcast isn't like the top priority in terms of like connecting with people that I admire. Really, like it, it's mm-hmm. a nice thing. It's a it's a nice thing that could happen for some people. But yeah, yeah, we'll more a bit spice every now and again. Yeah, yeah. Joe Biden. <laughs> Oh yeah, I'll email Joe Biden. What movie would you recommend for Joe Biden? Ooh. <laughs> oh God. Not something that requires a lot of memory. Yeah. <laughs> like what would I recommend? What would I recommend to Joe Biden? I'd probably I'd, I'd probably uh like find short one of those bus? like uh oh yeah short yeah, bus that would be, be interesting that would be an interesting choice <laughs> I just I'd, I'd find like one of those like anti corporate documentaries <laughs> just like the corporation or something <laughs> yeah. and be like hey what do you have to say about this you fucking asshole <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> I can't forget it. all right short bus done short bus is good <laughs> that'd be a funny one to show can you imagine fucking Joe Biden watching short bus. A brilliant bit of imagery. He would just be confused the entire time. Yeah, like, yeah, he'd have just said no clue. Turn it off. <laughs> I doubt. I doubt he would sit through that one. <laughs> yeah, I'd make him watch that or Shame, like something like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> shame. Yeah, shame. <laughs> Antichrist. <laughs> yeah, anti- <laughs> yeah, 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 something like that. I'd make him sit through that. Well, have you emailed him yet, Ralph? You... Uh, I'm going to email him after the show. Awesome. Hey, Joe, you want to watch uh, Sallow? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good pick too. Yeah, no, there's there's endless picks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, endless picks. All right, I guess that about does it. It was yeah. a lot of fun. Thank. Yeah. Cool. We've got a recommendation from our boy Ralph. It's yeah, my turn. Yeah. Okay. Um, I was laughing at a poster last week. I'm not going to recommend that movie. Oh. That, that I was laughing. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'll recommend that another okay, time. Okay. Okay. Um. Uh. So I'll recommend this movie called Stalker. Awesome. Mm. From Andre Tarkovsky. Nice. Perfect. 1979. Yeah. So we'll enjoy awesome. that. And, and yeah. who's seen it? You go through the spiel. I've seen it. <laughs> Yeah, this has just been a watchless one for me. Okay, it's one of those just never got round to. Yeah, yeah. I've been I've been it is eager to see it for a second time. And yeah, the first time I saw it, I didn't really like it. 
I think I posted about it on Saronicast, like on the subreddit or something. Mm-hmm. Oh, have you seen oh, it like, since yeah. your first watch? Yeah, I've grown to like it a little bit more, and I'm going to watch it again now. Like, I really appreciate like the the technical part of it, which you'll see. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I, I posted it, I'm like it was boring, <laughs> 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 which it is. It is kind of boring, but oh, I don't. I mean, well, it's it's. Well, I mean, you you'll enjoy we'll it. it <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about it. <laughs> okay. Perfect. Awesome. So if you yeah. haven't seen. Andre Tarkovsky's Stalker. Yeah, you got three hours to kill. Yeah. Check it out before <laughs> the next episode. These episodes come out every two weeks. You can listen to them early by going to sardonicast.com, signing up for premium, $2 a month. You get these episodes as they're edited. Also, patreon.com slash sardonicast. Also, we got merch links in the description. Awesome. Mm. Thank you for yeah, listening. Cool. I hope this has been a... Nice. Uh, yeah, get those sweatshirts. It's gonna get cold. Hey, depending on My where you live, if you're in Australia, it's gonna get yeah. hot. <laughs> oh yeah, it yeah, gets true. Hot. yeah, it's backwards. True, true. It's true. It's, back, it's backwards, it's like a sixty-nine. Audience, yeah. It's like upside down, <laughs> like Australia is sixty-nine. Sixty-nine is it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we made it. it. Comes back to that. We made it, boys. Yeah, nice. cool. Nice. And on to episode seventy. Yeah, the, I guess four twenty is like a, a cool episode. That's yeah. the next one I'm looking forward to. Okay. We should get to that. Episode 420. We'll make it. Mm-hmm. We'll get there. We'll be like 50 years old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, someone should calculate like how far, because, yeah. you know, it's, if it's every two weeks and we just keep doing it, then we'll know, you know, when episode 420 will be. Um, <laughs> then right. someone could do like an age filter on us. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> Bye-bye. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. Ta-da. Take care.